Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, in case you didn't know, and today's episode is a pretty awesome one. We've got a awesome guest. I had an awesome time interviewing her. She was just plain awesome, as you can't tell. I really like the word awesome right now, because it's awesome, 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 awesome. Anyways, it was, like I said, a very awesome interview. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Emma Handy, who is a Star City Games pro grinder player. And she, we talked about, we talked about everything about magic, her career in magic, and then went into some off topic stuff. I mean, you just got to listen to the whole thing. It's pretty long, but you know, I, I promise you it's worth listening to, um, you know, before we get into it, just need to do a little bit of announcements and all that. So Magic with Zuby is being featured on LegitMTG.com. And I urge everybody to go check them out. They are really a really cool site for not only article articles. They, I mean, their article content is really good. Um, very in-depth. They, I mean... One thing is, if you're looking for short articles, you know, they do have some, but it's not really what they're known for. They're known for really in-depth articles and really good content from a lot of good writers there. And, you know, on the other side of not just really good content, they've also have a magic store as well, where they sell singles, sealed product, you know, you name it, they probably have it. And what's really, really awesome what they do is... They give free shipping for any orders over $2. And, you know, you can't beat that. Say you only want to buy a few singles and it amounts to over $2. And, you know, you go to some sites and you only have, you want to buy $2 worth of singles. You're looking to pay, what, $3, $4 in shipping sometimes. I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, sometimes you only have to pay a dollar in shipping. But let's be real. It's most sites will charge you up the butt for shipping and, but legit MTG will not do that. They will not charge for over $2. And like I said, definitely check them out. Magic Zuby is featured on there and you will not be disappointed. Um, you can find magic with Zuby. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. You can find the Magic with Zuby Twitter on there also, at Magic with Zuby. You can find it also on magicwithzuby.com. You can also find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Magic with Zuby. Uh, we're now featured, I mean, not really featured, but, you know, as far as the podcast goes, we're on you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Shout Engine, Google Play Music just got accepted into TuneIn Radio. So, like I said, we first started off on iTunes and then went over to Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music. You know, you can listen to this podcast anywhere now on your computer, Android, your Kindle, anything that's connected to the internet and can play audio. You can find this podcast there. You want to listen to it on your Raspberry Pi that only emulates Super Nintendo games, but it does have a browser, you know, go to magicazubi.com and do it. Boom. Um, also need to give a shout out to my other podcast, uh, 
VCR gaming was VCR standing for vintage classic retro and it's still pretty brand new. We've got three episodes in the pipe and it's my friend and I, his name's Matt. We're both Matt. We're the super Matt bros, you know, uh, he's Butler. I'm Zuby, obviously. And it's just really awesome. You know, same thing with VCR gaming. We're on, we're on iTunes, Google play music, tune in radio, stitcher, shout engine, you know, no excuse not to check it out. Um, in same with social media at VCR gaming, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff with VCR gaming, VCR standing for vintage classic retro. Um, you know, if you want to send me any questions or any comments about the show, you know, feel free to tweet at me and you can also send me emails, mtgzubi at gmail.com. That's mtgzubi at gmail.com. If you want to send me any comments, hate mail, criticisms, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, and if you, or if you want to ask questions and have me read them on the air, I'm more than happy to answer any questions you may have. Um, yeah, so that's about it. Let's get on to the interview. And like I said, definitely stay for the whole thing and enjoy it. Hey, how's it going? Hi, I'm pretty good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just had glad today's over and tomorrow's Friday. Oh my god, me too. Thursday is actually kind of my Friday, so I'm pretty stoked for my Saturday. Everyone else's Friday tomorrow. Oh, right, you got any plans this weekend? Um, I found out this morning that I'm actually attending Grand Prix Charlotte, which I thought that I wasn't for a long time, but now I have to do several weeks worth of playtesting in a handful of days, so, uh, tomorrow I plan to test most of the day, and Sunday I plan to run it back. Oh, you got this. That's no problem. (laughs) (laughs) You you got plenty of time. (laughs) Maybe. Modern's tough, and I got, I think, five, six decks or something on my quote-unquote short list. Oh, it is modern? Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, sweet. Yeah, I've just recently got into Modern. I finally um, built my, finished my first deck at the end of last year and just started. I'm playing, well, right now I've got three decks. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got Elves, which that was my first deck and I absolutely love it. And then the other one is Grixis Delver and I'm finishing building up Goblin Artifact Explosion. That sounds exciting. What's the what's the artifact explosion? It oh, is it Kodotha? Is it K Red? Yeah, Kodotha Rebirth. Yeah. And um, it's it, it's not really meant to be competitive. It's just more fun than anything. And um, it's sort of similar to like Eight Whack, which I'm sure you've seen around. Mm-hmm. And um, it has you know Signal Pest, Mem Knight, uh, Simeon Spirit Guide, Kodotha Rebirth, Goblin Grenade, and it's just yeah, explosion fun everywhere. Yeah, that deck looks great. I actually really wish a couple of the artifact lands would come off the ban list in modern, because I think Great Furnace might push that deck to tier one. Oh, yeah. It, that them. would... But then, of course, everybody would be playing artifact something or one or another. It'd be great. Yeah. 
And now that it's not on the Pro Tour, we don't have to worry about it getting completely banned, you know, every year. Yeah, exactly. You know, it will take like six months for the format to become busted instead of three or four weeks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was not fun, that Eldrazi winner. That was... It was, um, I mean, personally, in the local level, I didn't feel it too much, but just watching it was just not fun after a while. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. It was funny. We had a bunch of Ayavugans and Eldrazi temples sitting in the case at the card store that I work at that everyone would look at every week at our modern tournament and go, you know, there's no way the deck's not going to get banned, so I could get yeah. those, but I don't want to buy them. <laughs> so we weren't affected, but... It was because everybody knew it was so busted at a competitive level that it would get banned. Yeah, that's how my shop was, too, that they knew it was going to go away. But now my shop's turning into Jund and Abzan Company now. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's sometimes, like, if I bring my elf deck, I am I can be fine usually. But Grixis Delver is pretty tough against those matchups, though. Oh, yeah, that's miserable. I imagine... They just two for one you forever. They're like a turn slower, but a similar clock. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's not as fun. But like I said, with elves, it's just turn three, you die. <laughs> oh, I get to untap with this Elbershard Druid. Nice farm boy, <laughs> dummy. Yeah, but um, now it's so is Thursdays usually pretty busy for you guys, or do you have any events going on or? It's up and down. It's It generally is not... There aren't a lot of heads that come through the door, but the people that come through... It's our commander night, which isn't there isn't a tournament for, but it's just open play all day. So the people who come in generally want help with commander decks, you know? And yeah. it, for me, commander decks aren't... I try to, when I help with a commander deck, make it not just a pile of good cards and have a lot of interlocking synergies, which takes a lot of time to actually build. Yes. So it ends up being steady all day, but it's kind of my own fault. So I can't, I'm not in a spot to complain about it by any means. Do you actually play Commander at all or? Uh, off and on, I, I tend to, I don't want to say I tend to avoid it. On off weekends, I play it a good bit. On my Twitter, I actually post all the various deck lists that I play. But I think Commander is probably the most fun magic format if everybody is on the same page or skill level or competitive level with their decks, but the most miserable format in magic if they're not. You, that is a perfect way of putting it because to me, Commander is completely casual. Like, I like putting together fun decks, not. Not just the infinite combo bullcrap and, yeah. you know, kill you on turn three type stuff. It's, to me, it's, I like to have a theme for my deck. Like, one of my favorite decks that I have is my god deck, which is Kami of the False God or something. Yeah. Um, and it's just complete all gods. It has to relate to something, you know, from the Theros gods. And I even have Theros basic lands. It's like, I cannot have it. You know, it, it's all got to match That's with it. That's really cool. <laughs> and um, it's it's absolutely terrible. I mean, I've won a few times. But by... it's a blast. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. But no, I know exactly what you mean. When you're playing with a group of like-minded individuals who just want to have fun and do stupid stuff or crazy things, but, you know, not be the competitive jerks that EDH can sometimes invite. It's it's a blast, but I, I yeah. agree with what you mean. It it can be completely miserable at the same time. 
Yeah, I think, you know, as long as everyone is on the same page, it can even be, for a lot of times I'll play Commander FNM with people who are probably worse at magic than I am, but yeah. most of my decks aren't, the goal isn't to win, it's just to do cool stuff in magic. Like, the most recent deck I played was just an Aloro control deck, where the quote-unquote combo in the deck was Humility and Knight of Souls Betrayal. Which, you know, miserable, but it doesn't actually win the game. And if someone yeah. crows and grips, my deck doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Aloro's one I'm, I have him built. He's pretty fun. He, all he does is I just build a pillow fort and it's sort of a, it's sort, I guess it could be considered dickish because it's just, I'm sort of the, it's a controly Aloro. Yeah, because yeah. it's more of a let me build my fort and I'm like the king of the the table and I'll allow you to do stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mine was the same way. It was very reminiscent of Legacy Miracles. Yeah, and um, then one of my other favorite decks that I have is Nin the Pain Artist, and I built it to where all the only way to win is by drawing cards. <laughs> It that's it. It does. There all, all the creatures I have are you know just really crappy wizards, and I don't even care about attacking. So, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's pretty fun. But um, so how long? I think I read one of your last posts you put on Facebook. How long have you been working at a card shop now? Um, I have been. I've been working at this card store since November of two thousand thirteen. But I've been helping out since, I want to say, 2012, 2011, something like that. And I've been going there longer than the owners have, actually. Well, mm. not this iteration, but it was a situation where the owners bought out another card store. And I had been going to that card store longer than, I think, everyone that still goes to the current one, except one person. Okay, that's cool. So it's been the same, quote-unquote, shop for... Uh, I want to say 13, 14 years now. Yeah, 2003, so 13 years. Oh, dang. Yeah, in my area, it's... um. Let's see, when I first started buying Magic cards, it was Urza Saga. And it's we didn't have like any place to play Magic. There was just an old baseball card shop that had a small display of magic cards and i bought them there but we didn't you know i, I only played on the kitchen table for a yeah. long time that's awesome i actually started in the first mirrodin and um that was i guess you didn't have the card shop but i i was about to say ursa saga and first mirrodin i guess dark steel is technically when i started but um two of the worst times to be a noob in magic history were yeah. Skull Clamp Affinity and Memory Jar Academy <laughs> Standard. Oh man, yeah i I didn't play F and M or anything because I didn't even know about F and M or any kind of competitive play until got probably I was out of college like ten years ago, mm. and um, it it was it just surprised me. I'm like, what people actually play this, you know, professionally and all that. <laughs> and so yeah. it it was pretty cool though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I just remember my first Friday Night Magic. I played... I was playing a mono-blue artifact deck that had cards out of Urza's Saga in it that was so bad. It was standard, but I had Saga cards. I was so bad at Magic. Everyone kind of just let me do it because I was 12, 13 at the time. 
and I lost to four affinity decks in a row in Swiss. And I came from Yu-Gi-Oh! where there isn't mana, so I didn't realize how busted the affinity mechanic is. I would kind of just shrug on the third turn and go, wow, your deck's a lot better than mine is. And <laughs> I lost because they were better at magic than me because I was new. That's interesting that um, I recently interviewed Jadine. I, do you know her? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jadine's great. Her and I talk at a lot of events. She's oh, yeah, because oh, yeah, I've seen you two play. Right? Yeah. Because yeah, I've seen you two play on, on Star City. And um, it's um, – yeah, because I, when I was interviewing her, she told me the same thing. She came from Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's um, – it's still a game that I still haven't played yet. It, it's I, When I was going in high school and seeing, you know, the Yu-Gi-Oh! kids, I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Magic is way better. <laughs> yeah, you um you missed out on the heyday of Yu-Gi-Oh, so I wouldn't recommend learning it now if you don't already know it. It's of all the games I have played, it is one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard that um that they don't even care about reprinting cards or anything or they just yeah. or there's no rotation or something like that or I don't know. It's I haven't it's read too much into it. It's basically legacy rules, and the the issue isn't necessarily Konami. It is the person who created Yu-Gi-Oh! the game, the manga artist, um, is very, very against competitive gaming and wants it to just be in the spirit of the manga, per se, and wants it to be for the spirit of the game, any com- competition that there is. So they the writer is very for reprints because they want the cards to be cheaper and they want there to not be as much of a competitive scene or people can't make as much of a living buying and reselling cards. Which I can understand that, Mm -hmm. but with not having a competitive scene, I mean, isn't, I mean, I've never seen the Yu-Gi-Oh cartoon, but, or, or read the manga. I can only assume that isn't that what Yu-Gi is doing being like tournaments or fighting people or something to win. It varies. It usually somehow involves souls getting sent to the Shadow Realm over duels and people who have uh, different soul-stealing items that Yugi happens to keep running into, coincidentally. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's... I have... I, I used to be really into anime and manga. Um, the last anime or manga I actually read, and only because it was such a habit for so long was naruto and yep. i was kind of glad it finally ended because it's just because I, I started from the very beginning of when it first came out and yeah i was just like it was it was like a sigh of relief like oh my it's finally done <laughs> after all massive. that time <laughs> yeah my sister and i actually drove um i we live in the western part of north carolina and drove to the eastern side of this state it was about a three and a half hour drive to see uh boruto the final naruto movie in a theater oh that's right it didn't that movie take place in between the the last chapter the the last chapter and the previous chapter um it was basically a prologue it was about naruto's kid named boruto and oh okay it was it was really the the scenes in it are great it was very i i thought it was great i'm very very biased though i like Naruto and it strikes a bunch of nostalgia chords for me. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I love the anime and the manga. It was just at when it was over, I'm just like 
I was sad, but also kind of like, finally, I've been waiting this long, <laughs> you know, mm. did he ever become Hokage? Spoilers, he did. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if you haven't figured it out at this point, you kind of deserve to have it spoiled. Or yeah. if they haven't figured it out, it's because they live under a rock and they're not going to hear this anyway. Yeah, that too. But um, no, as far as anime goes, it's I was really into One Punch. I'm not One Punch. I'm One Piece for yeah. a long time. But that I kind of got out of it because it was just it seemed like it was never going to end too. It and, still hasn't, if I'm not mistaken. Oh jeez. I think it's, it's the longest running anime over there. It's almost like they're equivalent to The Simpsons. Holy crap. I mean, I I really liked it, but it was just one of those. Once again, I just can't keep up with it all the time. It's mm -hmm. like, um, now, and the last anime I actually watched, I think it was actually my twelve year old daughter introduced it to me. Crap, it was that One Punch Man. Oh yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that. Have you seen it or read it or anything? I have not. It is hilarious. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's so funny. It's um just to give you a basic gist, it's about a guy who. I guess he became like the world's strongest person or something and he became bored of it. And so it's just his adventures of going around and, you know, bad guys trying to defeat him, but he just gets bored when fighting him and all that. And it's, I've only seen a few episodes, but it was pretty funny though. Oh, that sounds great. I'll have to go and watch. I know it's a shorter anime and those are the ones I tend to like over other ones are just the 12, 13 episode one shots. Yeah, there's um there were some really good short animes that I remember reading because I had a um I do IT by the way. Mm -hmm. And um when I used to do call center IT, which is the worst kind of IT you can ever do. I actually used to manage at a call center, so you know, small oh. world. <laughs> oh god. Well, see, managing call center is not too bad, but when you're one of the people doing the call center, it's just not fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the – so I used to work the night shift from like 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, af after, you know, it would die down after rush hour or what we would call rush hour, I, I would get a lot of anime or manga reading done. And God, some of the anime or the manga I read was Elfin Lied. Have you ever heard read that one? <laughs> I've I've heard of it. I have not seen it, though. That that's a really short one. It was really good. Um, crap. What was another one? Um, have you ever heard of Gantz? Mm -mm, no. Gant. That one is. That was like a really fucked up one. <laughs> it's um. It's I, I can't even begin to describe it. You just you just have to read it or watch it for yourself. It's um. But and I guess this is a little bit not really a spoiler, but I don't know if you watch or read Game of Thrones. I don't. Well, you're familiar with it, right? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, just don't get attached to any characters in that anime. Cause oh, it's like yeah, Game of yeah. Thrones. <laughs> as soon as you start liking someone, like, oh, look, they died. You're just like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started to develop a bond with this thing. And yeah. now I have to keep watching, wondering who I'm going to bond with next. Or... <laughs> yeah, I think that's what got me to stop reading Gantz was just they kept on 
killing off like i'd start really liking a character and i guess the author of that would just be so good at really getting you to care about the character i don't know about the anime but just the manga part you would like start to like really connect with that character then oh they're dead just like (laughs) all of a sudden you're like what the fuck it's like it's like fuck this shit man (laughs) you can't keep tearing up my emotions like this but wait there's more yeah but um I'm trying to think of any other anime. I think the big ones for me are probably... I know Full Metal Alchemist is my favorite, but I have long, long-term attachment to that one. Uh, you know, that's one I have not seen or read yet. It's great. Uh, if you get a chance or ever are interested, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is objectively better, but I prefer the original. Okay. Nostalgia, and I, um, I was really big into the card game. When that was a thing in 2006 or something, I actually went to Worlds. Oh, that's cool. That game and started off 5-0 before falling asleep <laughs> at a table and getting DQ'd for missing round six. <laughs> so. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it felt great. Yes, yeah, sorry for laughing, but you almost made me spit my drink out. <laughs> oh, no, no. It, it, at the time, you know, 13, 14-year-old me was crushed. But, oh yeah, you know, in hindsight, it's pretty funny. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, what are some other anime that you like watching or reading? Uh, I love Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh my god, that's right. I forgot about that one. I don't know how I forgot it, but I love that one too. Yeah, have you seen the rebuilds by any chance? No, that, they 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 what, redid they it, it, except it's in ninety minute movie esque chunks now. Oh shit! And it is exceptional. If you like Ava, I think Rebuild Two, the second movie, is probably the best piece of anime anything ever. Oh, I'll definitely have to check that out because I remember watching that in high school and just falling in love with it. It yeah. was, I loved it. The so I was on point. The animation's on point. Everything about it is just perfect. So you say it's called Rebuild? Yeah, it's the Rebuild series. Well, it's Ava Rebuild or something like that. Oh, Ava Rebuild. All right, I'm just typing this out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, geez. It's, um, like I said, I'm not too much into anime right now. My current obsession is Supernatural. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah. I, I've watched a good bit of that. My, uh, my roommate watches it a lot yeah it's to me it's like the x-files but with two bros it and it's i i'm in love with it it's i love all the characters in it and it's just i can't stop watching it it's a lot of fun i am i've came in very late and i feel like i'm too late to go back and watch all of it it's what 11 or 12 seasons in now it's it is hundreds of hours It is not too late because I just discovered the show like three months ago and I've been obsessed. I'm on season 11 now. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's um, it pr- pretty much what I've been doing is every night before I go to bed, I'll watch an episode or two. And then on the weekends, I will just binge watch. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, I, I can't do that. I, I get antsy if I watch TV for more than an hour and a half or so. Oh, no, I know what you mean. It's um, usually what I like doing is since one of my stupid favorite pastimes is organizing my magic cards, I'll keep that on while I'm organizing. And I've got 
I've got too many freaking cards. <laughs> I uh, the guy I pull cards with has always been. It's funny. We have a weird dichotomy where I am always very. Let's just sell everything. I would rather have dollars than magic cards. And he is always, but what if we need these magic cards? <laughs> it's really funny, but um, we have a middle ground where we basically have, we own about 5,000 cards. Yeah. And it is just in a, all of our whole collection is in a 5,000 count sorted by color and then alphabetically within each color. Oh, man. I can't do the alphabetical. That took us about two days to do. Yeah screw that but now that it's in place it's a great system and building a deck takes about 10 minutes yeah yeah i i can see where that would definitely help the way i have mine set up is i've got two hotel boxes (laughs) and um right now they're completely unorganized but what i usually do is i'll separate it by set and then i'll separate them by color after that sure and um yeah what i screwed up because i bought uh, co-workers magic collection for 40 bucks and yeah there are just it's just so many cards <laughs> i got... i can't especially working at a game store when i leave it's like you mean to tell me i'm sorting cards and i'm not getting paid for it right now this is worse oh, yeah. than being at work <laughs> oh no i know exactly what you mean it's like when i get home and if there's something wrong with a computer or something since i work on computers and networks all day i'm like yeah i don't care it's, yep. I'll, I'll I'll rig it somehow to where it starts working. <laughs> so I know exactly what you mean. The last thing you want to do is probably even look at a magic card or sort them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess let's actually start talking about magic here. Sure. <laughs> so um, let how about you give a little bit of an introduction to yourself and you know how long you've been playing magic and where you're looking to go and all that. Um. Let's see. I guess I I started playing Magic in 03, 04, around Darksteel, but I didn't start really playing Magic until New Phyrexia. I was always kind of just the dummy at the card store that just bashed their head against a wall with whatever cards they wanted to play, and sometimes I'd get a win at FNM, and sometimes I wouldn't. But, um... Other than that, uh, let's see, that's about when I started. And then I guess I don't really have much on my resume as far as accomplishments. Uh, I top aided a classic at Star at a Star City Open a couple weeks ago. That was cool. And I won states a few years ago in that, towards the end of when that meant something. It was, uh, the states these days, for the most part, tend to have like 150-ish people. The yeah. one I won was in South Carolina in 2011, 2010, 2011. And it had, I think, just shy of 300 people, something in the 280 oh, wow. range. That's awesome. But other than that, I just kind of put up pretty consistently mediocre results. Lots of top 16s, lots of top 32s. Lots of, well, I should keep playing, but I want to do a little bit better sometime. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, that's still good, though. Top 16. I mean, I know we all want to win, but that's still, I mean, top 16, top 32 out of how many people when you look at it that way? Mm -hmm. It's still still good. It feels reasonable, and I'm usually satisfied with those types of results, but I'm definitely hungry for some sort of reasonable finish. 
Oh yeah, definitely. You you want to get into that top eight and hopefully get up there to win. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. I've come in ninth on tiebreakers. It opens like twice now. Okay. So it would be, really be great to actually break in. Yeah, definitely. It's up. So are you mainly just doing the Star City Games circuit now, or? At least for this year, I'm sticking to the SCG circuit over the Pro Tour one. That might change next year, but uh, there are a bunch of little things that went into that decision. But the biggest one is when I set up my DCI number to have the name Emma instead of my uh, pre-transition name. Okay. I was informed that any checks or airfare bonuses or pro tour invites would be under the name Emma and my name is not legally Emma handy. So I would not be able to collect any checks or airfare or pro tour, take advantage of pro tour invites, anything like that under the system that was in place last year. Um, Star city, on the other hand, you can have your tax information set up to be under whatever name you want separate from your DCI number. Or your DCI name. Oh, that's cool, though. At least they're doing that. Yeah, uh, it's a really great system. They have been nothing but exceptional with every step of the process. I know when I first went and changed my name over, even before I changed it with the DCI, I just went to a Star City event and talked to Jared Silva about the situation. He said, oh, sure, and walked me up to the stage and had them change my name in their system specifically. So oh, that's awesome. it wasn't even an issue. It's been absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. And I got to hand it to Star City. I mean, that's cool that they did that. And that was that they were my first, I guess, sort of step into really watching pro players play mm-hmm. and all that. And I got I love their coverage. It's I prefer them a hundred times over pretty much anybody else. Oh, their coverage is miles ahead of the rest of the game right now by a significant margin. I think that Channel Fireball might slightly have them on better music, <laughs> you know, on their uh, title cards and stuff like that. They had, yeah. they had some pretty good stuff for the last Grand Prix I watched of theirs. Yeah. It was West Coast. I can't remember which one it is. I'm sorry. But it absolutely exceptional music on their port but otherwise you can't beat the coverage teams with star city they're so good yeah, and it's just they seem so natural at it too like it and it, that's what they do mm-hmm. and it's it's so it's good that's why it's so good they have such good production value with it too they know how to put on a tournament absolutely i think the least experienced person they have on their roster right now you know that that's bad that puts it in a negative light i think it's great because patrick and cedric have watched so much in sports that they understand how casting is supposed to look yeah and then matthias has worked so long with them and now they're each branching out not so much patrick but cedric and matthias are branching out with newer people and they've really been able to help pull them up and show how great you can be casting when it's something that hasn't really been broken through before yeah like when they've had um craig kempels or even chris van meter on it was even though i feel like they're not at that level yet where like cedric and patrick are they still were really good though i still enjoyed them 
Yeah, I actually like Craig a very good amount. Um, I like Craig and I like Ryan both a lot. Oh yeah, Ryan Overturf, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's he's good too. Um, yeah, so you're mainly doing the Star City Games circuit. Um, how are you doing? I guess what do they call it? The player points or? Yeah, I am actually in thirty second on the leaderboard right now, and I'm unfortunately missing Indianapolis this weekend for a family event. So I'm confident I'm going to fall off the leaderboard, but oh, that uh, hopefully be able to recoup what I'm missing in Atlanta. I'm pretty confident in my standard game right now. And if I'm not mistaken, Atlanta's standard. I don't quote me on that one though. <laughs> no, that sounds about right. Um what's what's your standard deck of choice right now? Um, I don't have one built this second. Uh, I know that sounds very weird since I sounded <laughs> being confident, but um I've done a lot, a lot of testing this format and feel very comfortable just picking up decks and understanding what archetypes are trying to accomplish. Um, I've played three different decks so far and have been relatively successful with each of them in different fields. I top 16 the Baltimore Open and my only loss let me think my loss on day two that kept me out of top eight was actually someone who got our list from a teammate and then tuned it themselves a bit oh. so yeah it felt bad but it was it was not all bad a lot of what i play magic for isn't always the results it's just to get myself better at magic so knowing that i was on the right track felt great what what deck did you play then? I played Blue White Humans and had a transformational sideboard plan where I took out oh, nice. most of my one drops and brought in Archangel of Tithes, Archangel of Thune, Negate, uh, more removal, and just went a little bit bigger. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's um that's one deck I've kind of been avoiding playing is hu- any any human variant, mm-hmm. and um. I've been unfortunately on the Bant Company wagon right now. Hmm. And I say unfortunately because it's like everybody at my shop is playing it and <laughs> Well actually wait, no no no, no I take that back. Now everybody in my shop is going green black aristocrats now. And... Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it almost feels like we're back to four color rally days now. <laughs> I uh, I'm very biased. I'm I I love Nantuko Husk. I tried really hard. I think I already joked about this in an article recently, but I I tried really hard to not end up on a Nantuko Husk deck. I even went as far as to dismiss every Nantuko Husk deck in our gauntlet and not even watch games with them because <laughs> I knew I would end up playing a Nantuko Husk deck if I thought it was even kind of good. So now that that's a deck, I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the deck is awesome. And when I saw what Luis Scott Vargas play it what during the Pro Tour, and I saw him flip a Westvale Abbey by turn four or five mm-hmm. in one of his games, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that deck's absurd. I don't... It is being incredibly results-oriented and arrogant. But I played the deck... Let me think. I played it in eight, nine... 17 24 25 i've played it in 27 comp rel or better constructed matches and i think i have like three losses with it 
Jeez. The, the deck's absurd. And, you know, a lot of that is the format not quite adjusting to it. The yeah. Colitis and Languish are everywhere. It's probably not as good. And I'm going to not be on it for Atlanta more than likely. But it is very powerful, especially against decks that aren't ready for it. Yeah, definitely. When um, De- Bant Company is a terrible matchup against that mm. because it because Bant Company is slow and grindy enough as it is, and with and since both decks, the Aristocrats and Bant Company don't really interact with each other, it's just it, it just allows Aristocrats to just be like, all right, well, I'm gonna go do my thing while you do your thing. So exactly, the Reflector <laughs> Mage doesn't interact very favorably with the deck, and you have to flip an Avacyn to do anything meaningful, and that's really hard to set up, and it's not even game ending a lot of the time. Yeah, pretty much. But um Yeah, that's that's um that's a deck. Um and, and one of the decks I've been looking at building is Grixis Control because I'm a control player at heart. And um that that deck looks pretty nice. What do you think about it? It from the list you've seen. I think it looks exceptional. There are a lot of ways you can take it too. Um and this isn't quite Grixis, but I was I was very very enamored with Seth's Seth Manfield's Esper list from the Pro Tour. Not having any Jace Friends Prodigy main was exceptional. That was such a good call. That was something in our gauntlet actually. We had a lot of decks that had Friends Prodigy in the deck, and we realized it just died. All it ever did was eat a removal spell that was otherwise dead. So towards the end of testing, it ended up not being in the main deck at all. And it it felt great to see that translate to a bigger stage. Yeah, that's um, I do remember seeing his deck, and that's been a surprise actually. That Jace Bryn's Prodigy is starting to see less and less play now. I thought he w- he was going to blow up even more with Shadows Over Innistrad because of the madness feature. Mm-hmm. I was ex- I was in the exact same boat. I thought, wow, we are going to have a format where the game is dictated by who gets to have Jason the Fiery Temper first. Thanks a lot, Wizards. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. And I'm just... I was really anticipating for Jace to go over 100 bucks too. Or at least reach the $100 mark. Mm-hmm. I was in the exact same boat. But the more, the more games our group ended up playing, the more we realized that the decks just couldn't do anything against... One, how good Archangel Avison was against that... And two, how bad that combo was against a lot of cards that just could go around it. Just You have to untap with a Jace, and then you also have to have a Fiery Temper. And then if they kill your Jace, your Fiery Temper is hard to cast. And just a laundry list of needing things to go right to just build a Lightning Bolt. Yeah, yeah, that makes a good point there. Um, So you're mentioning you're in a group. Are you on a team or anything like that or i am uh we're in a group uh the name goes back and forth the full name is disciples of bolus uh the way to track us on social media is hashtag team bolus um we are just a group of like-minded people from the north carolina area uh we are all we don't have all of the best players in north carolina but if i were of the top 10 players in this state i'd say we have probably half of them Oh, that's cool. It's, um, myself, Ollie Trazi, Dalton Osman, Jeff Mullen, John Taylor, Robert Wright, um, 
Trent Sawicki, and we have a couple of people that we're trying out for now. Oh, cool. Um, is it, do you guys get together a lot or do you play online or how does that go? Uh, it varies from time to time. There are so many events each weekend. We, a lot of our getting together is meeting up on Friday to pile into a couple of cars to drive to wherever the open event is or the Grand Prix, whatever. And playing online is kind of 50, 50 for a lot of us. Some of us live closer together than others. So they'll generally play in person, but some of the other people just stick to online means, either Moto, X-Mage, Cockatrice, something like that. Uh, I generally tend to play more online or just against people who aren't necessarily teammates that I live with. Um, Just because I live, I think the closest Bolas member to me is about two hours away on the nose. Jeez. Everyone else is kind of localized around the Charlotte area or within an hour. That's not too bad, though. I mean, two, and t- even though two hours, that's kind of a lot. But, I mean, at least you guys have online with X-Mage or, X-Mage or Cockatrice. I, I use those programs a lot for testing out decks. And um, if I really, really like it and it's not too much on Magic Online, I'll buy it on there, too. Mm-hmm. It all depends. I mean, I usually Magic Online, I'll stick more with modern decks than anything. Because standard, I'm just, I'd rather have the cards themselves than buy it on Magic Online. Sure, sure. Um, so what made you, I guess, take the leap to get to, into competitive play? Um, That's kind of a multifaceted question. When you say competitive play, do you mean going to tournaments that are considered competitive? Or as in really going on the grind for Star City Open points or for coverage, whatever you want to call it. Well, I guess really starting to get on the grind. Like, what made you start doing that? Um, that's tough. A lot of what made me decide I wanted to do that was I basically representation in various uh, media platforms is very important to me. And when Feline Longmore was first blowing up on coverage and really starting to gain momentum in the Star City circuit, it was incredibly important to me as a Magic player and on a personal human, growing as a human being type of level. So I wanted to be able to try to be that for someone else, if possible. I wanted people to be able to go, oh, hey, this is a trans person. This is a female. This is someone who is dealing with the same type of problems I am being successful in a game that I love, maybe I can be successful in a game that I love as well. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, Feline, Feline Longmore, that's it's not a name I hear too much now. No, she blew up more. I want to say it was cl- summer of 2014 was when she really started to get big. That was right before cons came out, if I remember correctly. She top-aided the Legacy Open right before Cons was printed. The last one, I want to say she made the finals with High Tide. She's really, really exceptional High Tide player. Also played a lot of reset. She did pretty well at the Grand Prix in New Jersey that Star City Games hosted, if I remember that correctly. Oh, okay. But is she is she still on the Star City grind or Um she goes to a good number of events. She actually has great altars. She alters her own cards, she trades altars. She trades a lot, a lot. I see her at 
I'd, I'd say every other open to two-thirds of opens, something in that range. But she's exceptional. She's such a great person. That's cool. Yeah, I'm looking at her Twitter right now, and I see some of the alters that she's done. Um, and they they look pretty good. Um, I'm a yeah. big, big fan, and I, so, so good at high tide. If you ever have the chance to watch her play, it's like watching a magician, how fast she can do the high tide math. It's oh, so fun. It's so fun. She's just like counting on her fingers, announcing the amount of mana. It's it's wild. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that high tide deck, so I guess I will have to check that out. Mono blue combo deck based around uh, uh, the namesake high tide is until end of turn, all your islands tap for additional mana. And you use ways to tap and untap your islands multiple times to produce a bunch of mana until you eventually blue sun zenith your opponent for enough to deck them out. Oh, jeez. That's really, really cool. You know, that's a card they should reprint. Oof. It's, <laughs> uh, that's more than a little risky. I'm I'm not opposed to it. I am all about shaking up formats with things that are probably too good. Wizards has kind of shown they're uh, not afraid to just ban stuff if it breaks a format. So, you know. Yeah. F it. Let's try something cool and funny. Yeah, I mean, that that would be funny if they reprinted something like that. I mean, I've always thought about that where if they reprint just, I don't know, a card or something. Like, what if they reprinted, I don't know, Brainstorm or something? Just, just to, I mean, everybody would be playing it, but yeah. just to see what it'd be like. They can ban it if they want or, you know. Oof, that's a tough one. There are a lot of cards. My, um... One of my roommates and I always talked about wishing that Modern Masters 2 had almost like a time-shifted slot of cards that are too good for standard, but would be cool to be introduced into Modern. Yeah. Like, we don't know, but maybe Dak Faden would be okay in Modern, or Veteran Explorer is probably too good, but maybe not. I don't know. Little stuff like that that is definitely going to break standard in half, but, you know... Maybe introduce it to another Eternal format. Yeah, we need to shake up standard. Let's get another um, Cobblade and Affinity going Skull Clamp. <laughs> I'm the boogeyman because I like those formats. I prefer one or two deck formats where I get to play mirror matches all day. Ooh, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, def I'm definitely not like that. I like, I like it when there's... I guess in a sense, I like it when there's, I guess, a smaller amount of decks. I mean, definitely not two decks, but maybe around five to six decks or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, it still seems like the standard format right now is still shifting around. But it's, I don't know, that, that's how I am. But yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be able to handle like every Friday night or when I go to a PPTQ seeing the same decks over and over again. I'd just be like, yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> I don't know to use um to use last standard as an example. I could, I could probably play Rally the Ancestors mirrors for three or four weeks at a time and not get bored. Oh man, see, I I enjoyed um four color rally for the fact of, you know, it there was just so much going on. You had to remember this trigger, that trigger, and mm -hmm. you know, all these triggers and. But there'd be some nights where it's just, I want to play a simple deck. I don't feel like having to remember, you know, five million triggers on the stack. And, <laughs> you know, it was, I love there was definitely, puzzle. 
Wait, say that again? I love magic being a puzzle. Oh, yeah, definitely. But there's some nights where I'm just, I'm so tired, I'm just, I don't feel like playing a, I feel like playing a straight beatdown deck sometimes. <laughs> Give me a goblin grenade. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that would be a nice reprint. That'd be sweet. Yeah, because there's really no good goblins at all right now. I mean, there's Goblin Pile Driver and Dragon Fodder and... Oh, there's Reckless Bushwhacker right now. Oh, man. But... You're about to have me start Googling goblins. Of course, I guess there aren't any in, um, in, in on Innistrad, so... Huh. Yeah. No, not really. And, um... Yeah, because by the time the next set comes out, Origins is going to rotate, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and Goblin oh. Heel Cutter's not even legal. Oh, that's right. Oh, and that was such a good one, too. I love that card way too much. I think I built one, I was drafting, what, that came out in Fate, right? Um, yeah, yeah that yeah. was Fate. Yeah, I remember drafting Fate, and for some reason, when we got to the last Fate pack, no one was taking Goblin Heel Cutter, and I managed to get like three of them in my <laughs> pool, and just when it came time to dashing him in, just be like, yeah, you can't do anything. I'm not going to let you do anything. <laughs> it was just hilarious, but yeah, he was a good one. Um, so when you started really getting into the competitive grind and all that, what did you kind of struggle with at first? Or, um, you know, was there any like gameplay wise or mentally? Or... Finding people to travel with was probably the hardest part for me. And that was a big reason that I originally reached out to try and get in with the disciples of Bolas was I was, I think the last three or four tournaments before that I had to travel alone or kind of foot the bill alone. And that was not going to work out for much longer. It's incredibly expensive to travel on your own. And you know, that's not to say that the members of Bolas have not been very helpful to me growing as a player and are not great people. They're just people I weren't incredibly familiar with before that, and that was an enormous thing that kind of forced my hand or at least made put me in a position where I had to at least try to ask. Yeah, no, I can understand that, and and traveling alone can is usually never really much fun either. It's, so. it's up and down. You, uh, you have a lot of uh, time for self uh self-evaluation and discovery when you're sitting alone in a car for 10 hours each way <laughs> yeah that's a that's a nice way of putting it oh man but um so when you really started getting into i guess the more competitive scene um you know was how, how do you handle i guess because we've all had those days where you know you go zero and three on an F and M, or you just go zero and five at a PPTQ or something like that. How do you? How did you handle those when you just have those bad beats where it's just no matter what you do, you can't win. Um, it's tough, but for the most part, my goal is um is a little bit of a sidestep here. But Brad Nelson has a fantastic article that came out. I want to say six months ago. It was it was like November of last year or something called in the grind okay. and in it he describes different kinds of magic players and one of them is the michael majors and in that particular subsection there's a quote that's something to the effect of having results in magic doesn't matter but if you keep getting better and better and better at magic eventually you will end up with results 
So my goal in Magic, at least right now, is just to get as good at Magic as possible in the hope that results will follow. So whenever I scrub out of an event, I will generally play out the entire event to learn as much as I can. So to use the most recent Invitational in Columbus as an example, the I played in the Modern Premier IQ with a Kiki Core deck that Jesse Hefner had left me, or lent me rather, okay. with the sole intention of just learning as much about the deck as possible. And when I died for top eight, I ended up starting to try out weird board configurations and weird plans just for the sake of trying them out in a competitive setting. And I ended up finishing the tournament awful. It was something like three and six. But it was just because I wanted to learn stuff. And I wasn't mad at myself for doing poorly. I think the biggest thing for me that helps is understanding that my results don't necessarily matter. The wins and losses, the result I care about is if I learned something or if I feel like I improved as a Magic player. Yeah, that That's a good way of looking at it because that's something I struggle with a lot where it's it's not necessarily that I always want to win. It's just that I expect way too much of myself. I, I expect, you know, I'm, I think too highly, not, not that I think highly of myself, but I, but I feel like if I make a mistake, it's just, I'm way too harsh on myself. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and I guess that just comes from growing up to where, you know, cause I've been, I've been in competitive sports all my life with baseball. And then I did martial arts for a long time and I was in competitive fighting and, you know, I'm, I I can't even really compare fighting to magic because at least with a fight, you know, you can train and train and train and, you know, you kind of know what to expect when it comes to a magic tournament. You have no idea what to expect, really. Mm -hmm. And it's just and it's it's taken me trying to get into that mental state of, all right, well, even if I'm doing bad, I need to learn something here, you know. And that, that's a, what you said. That's a good way of putting it because it's tough. Mm -hmm. man. <laughs> Especially when you have those bad days where it's like where you kind of question yourself, like, do I even know how to play Magic? I mean, I can't even <laughs> win a simple game here. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling. There was a time um, I went to the Open in Philly this year, and it was – According to Google Maps, it's about 10 hours from my house, but we I drive through Washington, D.C. to get there, which added about two hours on the way there, about an hour on the way back, because that's how the city works. And um, so it took about 12 hours to get there, and I rode up by myself because I was staying with a friend, uh, Danny West, and had a great time with him and everything, but the tournaments themselves, I was a single game win away in both tournaments from either day twoing the legacy open, which would have converted to a cash almost automatically based on the p number of people that day two, it was something like 65 people and they pay out to top 64. And then in the standard, uh, premier IQ, I ended up finishing in like 35th or something instead of top 32, which cashed out and ended up just kind of like, breaking down and having a really tough time because I felt like I hadn't learned very much and I also had not cashed and also had to spend you know 24 hours almost in a car alone in a three-day span 
So sometimes it is really, really rough. Yeah, it's it's got to be. I mean, you you know it more because you grind, you travel to these events, and you grind, do the grind. It's it's got to be hard mentally. Like, what do you do to like when when you come back from a tournament, say you did really bad or something, or e- even if you did good but not the results you wanted, how do you just sort of what do you do to unwind mentally? Um, one thing that is good and bad is you don't have time to focus on if you did bad the previous week. It's nice if you did well because you sort of have a an almost emotional high all week and you're in a great mood from, you know, Monday morning to Friday afternoon. But if you do bad, you don't have a whole lot of time to think, woe is me, why did I do poorly, I everything sucks, I can't believe I mulliganed a lot, whatever. You don't necessarily have time to do all of that. You have to, you know, it's Monday morning and you just got back from a standard tournament, but this weekend is modern. So now you need to figure out what modern deck you're playing. It doesn't matter if you did bad last weekend. It's time to figure out your modern deck. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I guess, yeah, I guess I never really thought of it like that. Cause especially when you're on the grind week to week and you just got to be like, all right, well, that that went bad time to go on to the next one <laughs> it's all you really can do because one thing that's kind of nice outside of the point system which can grant you buys if you do well um there isn't it doesn't matter from tournament to tournament how you did the week before if you aren't again if you aren't on the leaderboard if if i go oh in a million we Weekend A, and then weekend B, I show up with the same deck, but end up doing well. None of my, it doesn't matter to any of my opponents. Oh, well, this chick scrubbed out last weekend, so I'm obviously going to get a buy this round. That's not necessarily how magic works. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, God, because it's such a high chance of variance and all that wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. Magic is a very high variance game, but I... I think it's great that it is, to be honest, because it would be very disheartening to play against, you know, pro Magic players, whoever, people who you know are better than you, if you knew there was no way you could win because they are better than you. In similar to games like chess or poker, where, you know, I mean, there's variance in poker, but I feel like it is slimmed a good bit. And in Magic, I... For, uh, in the classic a couple weeks ago, I beat Sam Black in the first round, and I had a good matchup and drew pretty fortunately, and he drew pretty unfortunately. And if it were a game like chess, I would have had no chance against someone that much better than me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a good way to put it. Um, when you're getting prepared for a tournament, you know, do you have, do you and Team Bolas have any kind of training regimen or? You know, do you guys have like a little gauntlet you do or? It varies from week to week in a format like modern that's as wide open as it is and card availability is a bit of an issue. A lot of us tend to stick to our guns. You know, you're going to see Ollie look at a lot of the big mana decks. Um, You're going to see John Taylor has played Merfolk forever, so he's probably just going to play Merfolk. Um, those are the first examples off the top of my head. But 
in standard, it's a lot more likely that we will test different decks Monday or Tuesday, and then by Tuesday we'll have an idea of, oh, this person's deck is doing better. What can the rest of the team do to help tune this particular archetype? We chickened out, but for the Invitational, we were actually very close to a deck that was um, similar to the Seasons Past deck that uh, Finkel top-aided the Pro Tour with. It didn't have the loop in it, in the main deck at least. Yeah. It had Seasons Past out of the board. But it was a Delirium-based green-black deck that John Taylor ended up top 64-ing the Open with. Oh, that's cool. When you, you just mentioned that if someone had a really good deck, you got you guys will all like get together and try to help help that person out, or or at least try to tune the deck better. Yeah, or... absolutely. For to use the first open in Baltimore as an example, um, we had a couple of weeks to test for the brand new standard format, and what that equated to is two weeks two weekends in a row, we all met up at. A, card store in statesville ish central north carolina and everybody brought two different decks it was usually a deck that we thought was going to be tier one and a deck that that person thought we should test out or you know a tier two something that we needed to learn so there would be 12 to 16 different decks there and we would just jam games and record our win loss records and at the end of a couple weeks of doing that, we had a pretty clear idea of what decks had the best win percentages. So we narrowed it down to three or four decks and tuned the sideboards, tuned the decks, so on. And by the time Baltimore rolled around, we had two of us on Blue-White Humans, two of us on Esper Dragons, and two of us on the Black-Green Delirium deck. And even though the Black-Green Delirium deck floundered a little bit because we had called the meta wrong for the Open, um, both myself and Ollie top 16 the uh open in baltimore with humans and esper dragons respectively that's that's pretty cool i like how you guys have like a really methodical approach to it especially you know when you're approaching a new standard format where you know everything's rotating out you're not sure exactly what's going to happen um i mean do you guys have like little meetings or something where you, you all like discuss all the cards and decide, you know, Hey, we may see fiery temper a lot, or we may see this, this kind of archetype a lot. Or it was, it's very similar to that. We have a group chat on Facebook. I know that's kind of become a meme at this point, having group chats, but we have a group chat there. And then I don't know. Have you heard of Slack before? No, it doesn't sound okay. Familiar. It's a, I won't say it's a social networking site, but it's a it's close to a social networking site that you can set up threads almost like a forum. And we have a Slack that we use for the Disciples of Bolas that has threads for different decks, or we had a single card discussion where if we weren't sure what shell a card went into we would post and go, hey, this card has been testing well for me, or this card seems like a nightmare for most decks. Uh, where can we fit it in? Does this fit anywhere? Do we need to dedicate sideboard slots to it? So on and so forth. That's really cool. That's a really good approach. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty impressed. That sounds pretty cool. Um, do you guys also, or wait, no, you, you talked about modern where you guys just sort of pick a deck. Yeah, that 
one varies a bit. We we won't all necessarily stick to a specific archetype, and I'm really bad about jumping archetypes too often. But um, <laughs> if you actually go on Star City, you can look up people's deck lists that they've topped whatever in the last few years. And um, if you click mine, I think there's like 15 to 25 decks. I mean, we'll, we'll use 20. That's an even or a round number. And um, there are probably like 16 different archetypes for me with only 20 decks up really bad about jumping around a lot but um everyone's kind of got their wheelhouse and we'll stick to something in there but we'll talk about what we expect the meta to be what decks we want to be able to be what we want to make sure we aren't too soft to you know things in that vein okay that's understandable um so how do you feel about the meta and standard right now in standard it's a bit harder to call i think green white tokens is probably the best deck I'm a big fan of the four-color rights decks, but I think that they're going to suffer a bit too much now that people are starting to figure out how to put Kalidus and Languish in the same deck. Uh, those cards are both pretty hard to beat, especially in conjunction with one another, just because you have to work really hard to beat either or both of them, even if it's someone who doesn't really know what they're doing. So when you play against people who know how to sequence their spells well or are experienced in the matchup, it becomes nigh impossible to win or interact favorably. Okay. And do you think um, you think we're certain we're going to start and see less and less um, Bant Company at this point? I do. I'm I'm incredibly biased. I've never been a very big fan of Bant Company. I feel like it is a good deck and it is good at what it does. But there are ways to attack those types of decks that they are not very good at interacting with. So I think they take advantage of decks that work on a certain axis. And if they aren't playing against that particular type of deck, they tend to flounder a bit. And because they play cards like Collected Company that restrict your deck building, it becomes a little bit harder for those decks to adapt very much. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Um, oh, there was one other question I wanted to ask you about um, competitive play. It's, um, do you have any advice for some other people that are looking to start getting into comp REL events where, you know... I, guess maybe something you know you found out after the fact or you know whether it could just be some you know a pep talk or anything um you know there are a few okay so i guess to answer for the game part of it um to anyone who's newer getting into competitive play just accept that you're wrong most of the time that's how <laughs> you learn and even if you're not wrong you'll figure it out that that was wrong whatever it is you adapted to, and you'll end up with the right answer anyway. Arguments aren't meant... When you argue about something in Magic, you, the goal should not be to... Quote, look, the way you win an argument is not by starting out with the correct answer. The way you win an argument is by figuring out what the correct answer is and adopting that mentality. And when you're talking about argument, you're talking about like a judge call or something? No, I'm or? talking about uh, theory in Magic. Thing. Oh, I think oh, okay. this type of deck wants to have this specific card in it or someone thinking that a matchup is good or bad based on certain interactions in a matchup. You know, you'll see people argue on different forums, be it the comment sections of articles or 
even just, I don't know, tappedout.com, you'll see people argue about what cards are good or bad. I think the discussion should not, you shouldn't worry about the proverbial peeing contest that comes with being right in a conversation. You should just try to end up finding out who's correct and then adopting the correct mentality by the end of it. Yeah, I, I see that. Usually I take the approach of I, I like to learn both sides of the argument mm -hmm. of, you know, why person A likes this card and, and why they think it's good. But person B says, oh, it's terrible because of X, Y, Z. And it's just I, I like to, you know, try to figure out for myself, you know, well, is person A right or is person B right? And, you know, let's go and test it out. You know, that sort of thing. I agree with that. Um, so let's just ask a little bit of more fun questions sure. here. Um, do you have a favorite M magic card? Favorite magic card? Um, yes, that is probably Ink Moth Nexus. <laughs> Ooh, Ink Moth Nexus. Yeah. Um, you know, this goes back to the boogeyman thing. I have, um, <laughs> I have, I have won a lot of tournaments in a significant amount of money on the back of Ink Moth Nexus. And I like the color purple. <laughs> yeah, that is a definitely it's it's a staple and affinity, of course. Um, yeah, but personally, we have we have a few affinity players, and I hate that card. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's a really good card. Sure. Like it's it's awesome, but yeah, it's never fun. On on the other the receiving end, you're just like, oh, you pumped it up to ten on turn three. Okay, okay. awesome. Game of cards, guys. Glad I came out to the card shop today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, do you have any kind of favorite magic combo, even if it's like a bad combo or anything like that? Um, my favorite magic deck of all time is probably probably uh, the old extended eggs deck. Uh, at the time, it was called Sunny Side Up. It was similar to the modern iteration of Eggs, but it didn't have Faith's Reward. It, it basically had a lot more actual eggs in it and was built to combat the Storm decks that were dominating Extended at the time. I absolutely loved that deck. If I remember correctly, it was French-designed. It was just wonderful. And by wonderful, I mean, you know, you made your opponent watch you play Magic for 15 minutes. It's great. What else could you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might lose, but you got to play a lot of Magic, kind of. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love those. Um, And I've always been the type of person where if I see a really cool, you know, card interaction or card combo... um. Like a couple weeks ago, someone was playing Mono Blue Tron on Modern Night, and I got the the Infinite Mind Slaver thing, and I had him show me like a couple times, you know, just like four or five times. Like I'm like, this is awesome, J just to show me the whole combo. I'm like, I'm really impressed. You're, you're con it's like I can't play Magic, but it's awesome. Mm -hmm. He was like, look, just just show me how I'm gonna die, and they're like, I'm not sure. You have to draw your deck, and you're like, that's cool. I'll figure it out too. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah like i said i've always been fascinated that that's one thing that keeps drawing me to magic is just 
the insane amount of combos and card interactions where, you know, and I know wizards and their R&D and can't, you know, expect every single interaction for every single card. But it's like it's awesome when a new card gets printed and someone figures out, oh, this is this makes, you know, the card from Alliance really busted now mm-hmm. or something, you know, and it's just it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love that about it. Um, let's see. I guess let's start getting into a little bit more serious issues here, if you don't mind. Um, you know, you briefly talked about being a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about one of the things you wanted to get into competitive events was to, you know, have that, have that being represented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you feel about the diversity in the magic community now? Because I feel, you know, we've come a long way in over 20 years, but there's still a lot more that can be done. And what do you think that is? Um, that's really tough. I feel like, I feel like it's very good that people are starting to have these kinds of conversations, but I do also think there's a strong way to phrase this. There's almost like a bro code in magic that makes it very hard for it. I, I can't speak from the perspective of people of other races or people who have certain disabilities, but at least from the perspective of someone who's female and empathizes with women who play, um, it is, very difficult for women who are new to magic to stay in magic without someone in their friend group or in the magic friend group rather inevitably trying to sleep with them or alienate them. I just, I think a lot of it comes down to treating, treating women like, people who can who are meant to do things other than be in a romantic relationship with a magic player yeah um i think that would be a great great step every time a new girl comes to our friday night magic there are inevitably people who go oh does she have a boyfriend here or who is she with or some of them get far far more lewd than that but the the idea still carries of I don't think it really matters. This isn't a place where people come to find, you know, what's the what's the online phrase? Sexy singles in their area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it I mean, obviously I'm a man and I don't understand what that's like from a female perspective. I mean, I see it all the time though. Um <clears throat> and I'm sure you know what it's like going into a store and, you know, you're the only female in there and everybody just stares at you and you're just like, well, what do I have on my face or something? You need something on my face. And it, it's got to be tough. And, you know, when it's, I'm always happy whenever I see females actually participating in Friday Night Magic. Um, And I was actually at a PPTQ a couple weeks ago and there was actually about three, maybe four or five female participants that were actually playing i'm like this is awesome i mean yeah the majority were still males but it was awesome to see more females because now it seems like you know more starting to play at a competitive level but yeah it's i don't know it's i I don't mean i'm not sure what more can be done as far as 
you know, trying to get females or other races, you know, in, into it. It's just, I guess people have to grow up, I guess is the easiest way to say it. <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, I do think magic is getting better about it. As soon as these things oh, yeah. become socially stigmatized, as in, and that's not to say people can't form um, relationships from magic. My, I, I just think that it needs to not necessarily be a quote unquote, I don't want to say a priority. That sounds wrong, but I, I think that's the basic idea that I'm getting to is that it needs to be less imprinted into the idea that people are going to meet their lover or whatever through magic. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the basic way, I, I guess the easiest way of putting it is, you know, when a female comes in to play F&M or who, whoever it is, regardless of, you know, gender or whatever, it's they're there to play magic. Mm -hmm. And it's that that's all it should be about is playing magic and having fun. It's and but it's just frustrating when, you know, because I've been to shops where you know, especially when you get to some of the shops where they're very clicky and it's, you know, e even like I said, it's nowhere near the same level of not really discrimination as, you know, other people, but. I guess, like, when you're the new person at a shop and, you know, the the regulars are, you know, like, look down upon you, it's just sort of like, well, you know, why should I bother coming here then if I'm just going to be shit on because I'm a new person, you know? Yeah, there are shops where we've gotten or I've gotten to the venue, you know, the Friday before in time for, for F&M. They've had people ask me things like, oh, are you new? Or, oh, are you here with someone? Stuff that are just completely irrelevant and could be phrased better. There are ways to yeah. phrase most of these relatively demeaning questions that don't come across as demeaning. And if it's information, you, you can get the answer to your question without phrasing it in a way that is, that is just so demoralizing, just... Instead of, hey, are you here with someone? It could be, hey, are you, do you have friends here? Or how long yeah. have you been playing? Instead of, are you new? Yeah, that's the one question. I, I ask that to everybody. Whenever we get a new person at my shop, regardless of who they are, I always ask, like, hey, how long have you been playing Magic? And when I obviously see that someone is new, you know, I'll... I, I always love, you know, giving tips mm -hmm. and hints and, you know, hey, maybe you should try this or that. Hey, do you mind if I check out your deck, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that, that's what I love. I love when new people come and it, it's almost like, awesome, you're new. All right, let me, let me you know, talk to you for like, you know, 50 minutes about magic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it gets me excited. But, yeah, that that's always one of the things that gets me. It's like, oh, are you new to magic? It's like, no. Just because I've you know never been here doesn't mean I'm new, you know. It's always it should always be like, well, how long you been playing? And they could say like, oh, I've been playing since last week. It's like okay. Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate you know. now at open events now that I'm on the leaderboard and I'm kind of a SCG tour mainstay at least you know at this point. 
I uh, am lucky enough to get feature matches where they, and you know, to call people up to a feature match, at least at the venue, they'll announce over the monitors at table, blah, 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 versus blah, 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 go to table, blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah. It's not as much of an issue as it used to be, but I'd say the first two months of this year, uh, I would, at least one person in a tournament would try to game me somehow or ask some of the questions I've already mentioned or, you know, worse, ask for my phone number, all kinds of weird stuff, or after our match was over, become much more demeaning. Uh, the actual, the first, this is ironic, I promise I'm not making this up, I have witnesses, the literal first event I ever played as Emma Handy, round one, uh, I sit down at the table guy leans over to his friend as he's walking behind me and goes, Oh sweet. It's a chick. This will just take a minute. Oh jeez. I, mean, I have never been so excited to go foil scalding tarn into dissension foil breeding pool into arena foil serum visions in my life. <laughs> and then I was promptly asked if they were my boyfriend's cards. It felt. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, that that's frustrating. God, I mean, see, I I don't. I guess I don't understand the mentality of it. It's you know where where people will act like that to where they'll straight up tell you in your face like, oh, it's a chick. This will be easy, or oh, this guy sucks, you know, or or this person sucks, you know. It, it'll be easy to beat them, and it's just sort of like really, you know. It's like what what makes it about magic where people do this crap? I mean, he, he, I mean, I know it happens a lot in online games, but you know, you think it might be lessened a little bit that people would actually have a little bit more decorum and respect respectfulness in face to face. But no, it's still, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm asking too much for people. Yeah, Mark Nestico actually wrote a fantastic um, piece on his Facebook. It didn't end up getting published on uh, any of the places that he writes for but again on his facebook it's a public note uh, if you ever want to check it out on being inclusive in magic it is one of the best pieces i've read in my entire life and at one point it mentions how is it that in a, that a community that is based so much in people who are rejected from other communities and found solace in one another ends up being so hurtful towards people who are outsiders from the magic community yeah, that's a that's an interesting way of putting it because, you know, ma I mean, magic has I feel at least become a little bit more accepting in terms of the mainstream compared to you know twenty years ago when it first came mm -hmm. out. Um, it, it's come a long way, and wizards themselves have even done a lot more in terms of you know their storylines for characters. Um, you know, there's a lot more prominent female characters because I was thinking about it, um, I think this morning or the other day, like what female characters were around before, you know, they introduced the Planeswalker 5, you know, Chandra, Lord, uh, Liliana and, you know, um, Nyssa. And, and I can't I couldn't think of a single one. The only one I can think of are the Urza brothers. Um, yeah, there were some from there. There was Captain Sisse. There was Dwyer. Oh, Rada. yeah, that's right. Um, 
I'm probably forgetting some, but those are the ones that come off the top of my head, and those are all, I won't say from the same storyline, but they're basically from the same storyline. Yeah, and but it's just not, they're not as well known. They, I feel like they didn't push them out in the forefront like they do now with Chandra or Nyssa or Tamio or... Or who, whoever. I think is. a lot of that is you more know. than just pushing the story a lot more. Like now they are writing, they're, I think they're making cards a lot of the time for the sake of the storyline. Like the oaths in Oath of the Gate Watch really pushed the story and help you know about it. Because in Time Spiral Block, Rada and Dwyra were actually main characters with Teferi. But they were oh, okay. kind of just bulk rares at the time and never got any other card. I mean, there's, you know, Dwyra's time bug but that's not really a card either. So yeah. they didn't push them in the way that they push their story-bound characters now. Yeah, and and especially now they're getting with even more diverse characters too. Um, the one thing that really surprised me was um, when they mentioned that Narset was autistic. Mm-hmm. And I have a six-year-old who's autistic, and it's... um. You know, I was just really surprised. Like, I mean, there there's really no indication. I, I guess maybe if you read the story, you might know that she she was being written as an as an autistic person. But I mean, if you just look at the cards, you can't mm-hmm. tell or anything. But it's just that to me. I guess because it affects me a little bit more personally, it just felt kind of you know a little bit like oh, you know, wizard is thinking of that. That's awesome. And you know, and then they also mentioned that. What Alicia, who smiles at death, or Alicia, or however you say it, I always say Alicia. That's what it sounds agree like. Agree, disagree. And, um... <laughs> Wait, say we'll that. We'll agree to disagree. Then I'm in camp Alicia. Well, I don't know if I'm right or Alesha. not. To be honest, I'm probably wrong. But I mean, it, it probably is Alicia. But when I first saw it, I thought it said Alicia, and I just started saying. Yeah, that. no, you're fine. I'm also a person who pronounces uh, the traitor of Get as Kalidus, just because I'm afraid of pronouncing it wrong i just decided to pronounce it so wrong that i can't pre- like i can't pretend that i'm saying it correctly oh i know what you mean i know there's other cards that i've completely pronounced wrong i i can't think of them but it's yeah i'm i'm the same way like if once i see something i pronounce it that's like that's how i say <laughs> i don't care <laughs> but um yeah but that alicia or alicia is I think she's the first trans person in the storyline. Yes, the first openly trans person. I actually, that was a big, big thing for me because when that story came out, that was about, I want to say that was like four or five months into my transition. And I had only told probably a dozen people at that point. So seeing, part part of my concern with not coming out and, I imagine most people in that position can empathize. One of the scariest things is being afraid that everyone you were close with before, everyone who might have respected you or known you is now going to reject you and give you up because you're all these, at least you think of all yourself as all these depreciative or horrible things. So seeing the outpouring of support from the entire magic community even Cardboard Crack did a special article, or not article, excuse me, a special comic on it to just get all all of this notoriety on this single story was such a big deal for me. I 
I cried most of that day. It was such a good day. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, and see, that that's where I feel like as Wizards as a company, they're doing a really good job with being inclusive. And, um, you know, and I, I feel like I still feel like on a local level, though, we have a long way to go. I agree with that. Because, and I, I had a I had a episode previously where I talked about um, – I think there was some article came out where people were talking about not calling creature lands man lands anymore. Yeah. And the whole thing – the whole thing I was really talking about on that episode was I feel like we shouldn't focus – on a name like that where we should really be putting our efforts into getting the local level more diverse or inclusive. And, and I can understand the argument on both sides where, you know, just, just saying creature lands instead of man lands, it's easy to do, but it, it, I just felt like, well, what's the point of writing this article when, you know, if you really want to promote diversity, start, start, you know, doing other stuff about it, you know, talk to your store owner and say, Hey, what can we do to stop, you know, this toxicity around here? You know, because I feel like a lot of it is up to the store owners, you know, the local game owners, you know, you know, whether that's, you know, promoting some ads, getting, you know, more females in or, you know, other, uh, other types of people, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, it's like, like I said, I still feel on the local level we have a long way to go, and it's just, I mean, there's really no easy answer, easy way to do it. But I think a lot of it has to do with, not that a lot of it has to do with the store owner, but uh, it can it can start with even you going to a store owner and saying, hey, you know, I've noticed this person's attitude, you know, X Y Z, you know, what can we do to in make this place more inviting? Sure. You know, I think that's you know, um. I think something like that, the creature land, man land debate is back and forth, but I think it's the one of the ways that wizards can work on something on a macro level yeah. that they can actually have control over and reasonably, I don't want to say police, that's not the right word, but reasonably at least try to enact some sort of change on and... I don't think it was necessarily received very well, and I don't know if it's been handled the best way. I can say I personally switched to Creature Land, but it took me a lot of, I don't want to say practice, that's not true, but I definitely messed up more than a couple of times. Oh, yeah, I still go back and forth because it's just, it's it's almost like a, you know, unconscious slip. You just say it without even mm -hmm. thinking, um, and... Like I said, I don't even think Wizards even came up with that. I think that was just a slang, if I remember reading it up correctly. I'm not 100% sure. I I just know it doesn't sound weird to anyone because it has always been that way. But I imagine it. Yeah. it the one that was the best for me, I can't remember who it was, but somebody pointed out how odd it would sound if instead we said Lady Lands. It sounds very yeah, odd I, to I us now that. that it's something else that's relatively gendered, but doesn't actually affect anyone, but is not the norm. It sounds more off, whereas calling it a creature yeah. land is just technically correct. 
Yeah, no, no, I understand that. And um, like I said, I saw both point or both sides of the argument. To me, it was just like I, I was almost getting a little heated up. It's like, what's the point of writing this when you know there's so much other crap we could be doing? And I had like a little bit of a heated rant that we could be doing this, this, and that, and you know we should start doing this. And I, I, I guess my whole argument with it was I was focusing more on the local level than I guess the the macro level. I guess. It's all just in different perspectives and everything. And I, I do yeah. agree there needs to be a lot done at a local level, but it's very hard to write an article that a majority of locals will fit under the blanket of, especially when a lot of yeah. the locals that are that are part of the quote-unquote problem are not necessarily self-aware that they are part of the problem. Yep, there are a significant number of places that go, oh, we just don't have chicks. <laughs> yeah. That's just kind of where the conversation or the thought ends is not why don't we have women come in play in our store. It is just, well, we don't have girls and that's the way it is. Yeah. And people can get too complacent. Mm-hmm. That. <sighs> yeah. It's frustrating. It's like, because uh, I'm always because I'm always the type of person what like let's do something about it, you know instead of just talking about it let's do mm-hmm. you know, and it's just sometimes it's like hitting your head up against a brick wall. Oh, I, I completely know. agree with that. To use um something I mentioned, plugging it uh, to you earlier um for Grand Prix Charlotte there are some measures being put into place to create unisex restrooms for trans people to be able to use so they aren't forced to use um, a restroom where they don't feel safe but also don't have to break the law by using the a restroom that may not match their birth sex Um, but the measures that were put into place are not necessarily the most convenient for people who are playing in the tournament and their rounds might take longer the bathrooms are not necessarily close to the tournament itself. I imagine you could probably get an extension or something if, you know, you get close to time and need to go to the bathroom. But um, what I've actually done is I ordered a bunch of custom stickers for cisgender people to wear that are, well, happy to accompany a trans person to a restroom they might not otherwise feel safe in. Um, that are all a bunch of, I'll go with you, is basically what it says. It has a trans uh, flag as the background. And a couple yeah. of anti House Bill Two hashtags on it, but it's a way to a way to do a way to make it more inclusive for trans people who weren't sure if they were safe while they were going or thinking of going. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring up that law since you live in North Carolina. Um, just I, it blows my mind. It's like, why why are we focusing on this? It's it it just. I I can't wrap my head around why this is such a big deal of who uses the bathroom. Well, I so the big issue is well, one is not actually the bathroom law; it's other um, work related laws that are slipped into the bill with it that are not being as publicized in the news. I my opinion is that was the original goal with the bill itself was to repress child labor laws and set a statewide minimum wage that could not be altered from county to county. But um, the big thing that people who support the bill are worried about is 
cisgender men um, invading the women's room under the guise that they are a trans female or quote unquote identify as a lady in order to um, assault, peep, so on women who are just trying to use the restroom. In reality, there are roughly zero cases of that ever happening, except there are cases of it happening when people are specifically protesting inclusive laws. There are about three cases of that nationwide happening in the last five to six years. One of them might have been six years ago, but I know the other two are within the last five, but all of them were within a couple of weeks of their city or that land, city, state, county, whatever, passing laws to protect trans people. It was then someone who was obviously cross-dressing to prove a point that just stood in the wrong restroom. And see, I find that so ridiculous um, that, you know, who's to say... Because I, I hear a lot of the arguments. I listen. Do you know who Ben Shapiro I'm is? I'm not familiar, unfortunately. Um, he's a right winged um podcast host. Um, he he hosts a pretty popular podcast, and um, like I said, I like listening to both sides. Um, I, I mean, if we want to get into politics, I'm a registered Democrat, but I'm more conservative. But it's but I also have some Democratic views, and but but there's I also have conservative views. It's I'm very back and forth. Um, but, um, with this whole issue, he, he goes on and says, you know, exactly what you were saying that people, you know, oh, well, you know, do you want when your eight year old daughter goes to the bathroom and you you want some man who identifies as a woman to go in and and assault her, who's to say that, you know, your eight year old daughter goes in the bathroom by herself and a woman assaults her, you know, who's to say that doesn't happen. I'm not saying that will happen, but you know, you come across it's. You, you can say you can play devil's advocate and say, "Hey, a woman can a random woman can go in the bathroom and assault your eight year old daughter." You know, not just a man. It's not just men who do that. You know. Sure, I I and, think the point is, I don't know. I am. I cannot relate. I already said this once. Just to drive it home, I can't necessarily relate with people who are who are the victims of racial discrimination. But in practice, I I can't help but draw parallels between all this, all, all the legislature going here with various Jim Crow laws. And I've seen a lot of different signage or, you know, pictures, internet, and it's kind of what it's for, is that say something to the effect of it wasn't about water fountains and today it's not about bathrooms. Yeah, it's, I said, I can't wrap my mind around it. It's just out of all the things to get media attention, it's like, we're really worried about bathrooms now. It's like the, the conspiracy nut in me is, and my tinfoil hat is on. It's like, what is the government really doing while all the me- mainstream media is focusing on this bathroom issue? You know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, what what other bills are they trying to pass while we're focusing on this? And oh my God, my my head hurts just thinking. Well, about it's it. actually what I had brought up before. Um, 
the other sections of the bill being about certain labor laws are actually parts of House Bill 2 that the media just is conveniently never brought up is that of one course. example of a, a uh, portion of it is that nowhere in the state of North Carolina can raise their minimum wage higher than seven and a quarter for any reason. But what about if the federal minimum wage goes up? Uh, then I, I am not a lawmaker and cannot answer on that. But <laughs> that is how I've been able to interpret that section of the bill. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just... Uh, There's little uh, parts of that where it's like, you know, no one's talking uh, about this, but, you know, I'm even affected by the parts people are talking about, but this also seems like a similarly important aspect to bring up. It's just not as controversial and doesn't sell as many newspapers. Nope, it doesn't, because that's all that matters is just getting that ad money. That's mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, like I said, I wanted to bring that up because it's, because I was listening to his podcast, Ben Shapiro's podcast, and and of course he he's going on about you know like oh well you know men are going to start going into the bathrooms and it's like it's like I don't know about you but when I go to the bathroom I just go in there do my business and just go it's like I don't give a crap about anybody else in there you know and it's like I would have to assume most people are like that they go in the bathroom do their thing and go back out and it's. I, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I can't. I cannot speak to the experiences of 100% of cis women, but I have been hassled significantly more by cisgender men in the men's room than I ever have by any female in the women's room. Or I, I actually, because of all these laws, make a point to avoid eye contact or speaking to anyone in the restroom for fear of being considered perverted, disruptive, intrusive, whatever. There are people I'm even friends with that I will, I won't say I will forget to say anything to in the restroom, but I've, it's just so ingrained, like, do not look at anyone, do not make eye contact, make sure that you have 100% plausible deniability if they say you were doing whatever. Just, you went in, you peed, you washed your hands, you got out. Yeah. Jeez, and that's got... Like I said, it, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> God, it's, it's frustrating. It's Like I said before, when we were talking about the local gaming store level, it's like I'm beating my head against a brick wall because I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's just... I don't know. <sighs> Anyways... Because <laughs> we could go on and on about that and just, yeah, never get anywhere with it. <laughs> um, like I said, the conspiracy nut in me—they're really, they're, they're mass. Something big is probably happening, and and they're just, they're, they're just masking something. I don't know. Donald Trump is building his wall right now as we speak. <laughs> I just think this is the new gay marriage argument. Kind of gave up now that that's a yeah, federal that's... thing. You can't really argue it anymore. So this is the new plan to battle against LGBT people. It just—it is what it is. I didn't—I didn't think of that. That's a really good point. That yeah, now that they can't argue about gay marriage, which affects no one, you know, now they have something else to argue about. It's like, <sighs> yeah, 
So, anyways, <laughs> um, you know, as we were, you know, really talking about before, and um, you know, I have two girls, and um, you know, it's always really important for me to see females being represented. You know, we talked about how Wizards is really, you know, becoming more story oriented with their cards, and you know, they have a lot of powerful females that are being represented like Chandra, Liliana. Um, you know, I especially love Liliana's story. Oh, Liliana's of, great. Yeah. How she was trying to save her brother would do anything for him. And to, to me, you know, cause one, one of my favorite movies that my kids watch is, is even though I've seen it a million times is frozen yeah. and you know, them being sisters, they, they have such a good bond. They will argue and fight like freaking wild badgers but but if anyone else outside you know tries to mess with them they will have each other's backs like in an instant you know and it's just i love seeing that and it's um you know it's important for me to see make sure i mean not make sure but just to see females being represented on screen and you know movies tv sports and all that you know and you know you being a female and a trans person do you feel like do you see yourself as a role model for others since you're like getting more in the spotlight on especially on twitch and you know on the star city games um i think that's a really tough one in that it's something i want to be but i guess a role model literally yes in some ways it's really hard to escape that with the amount that with how loud i try to make myself on social media and uh, the fact that I'm now publishing on articles every week and regularly show up on the Star City streams, um, it's kind of undeniable to say that I'm starting to get around a bit more. Um, I guess I'm yeah. more worried about being a positive role model than being a role model at all, if that makes sense. Um, hmm. I guess the short answer is yes, but... The longer answer is, I think it is important to A, be a positive role model, and to if I'm going to, um, if I'm going to fill that mold at all, I would like to tr think that I can fill it for a reasonable length of time. Yeah, that that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, seeing yourself as a role model, but also wanting to be a positive role model, I guess that's kind of hard to do in a sense. It's, I mean, just be yourself and be the best person you can be really. And just hope that people see you as, you know, a positive influence and, you know, and like I said, it's, I'm especially happy that star city games is showing more females on there. You know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, as, as we mentioned in earlier, earlier that, you know, I don't have any complaints with them. I think they're doing awesome with it. You know, j I guess just in general showcasing, you know, a lot of people. Um, yeah, I was a big fan actually. Um, this is at least a little bit conceited, but I, I promise I'm, I'm going to get somewhere with it. My um, round two feature match in Baltimore. I know I brought up that tournament a million times now. But um, <laughs> round two, I had a video feature match uh, against a friend, Rebecca Crockett, and um, 
there was also a female table judge who was doing the event, the actual um, coverage, getting tokens, you know, all the stuff you'll see people, the judges do at the feature match table, who was a woman. So it's so it was so great to go back and watch the replay and the visual, visuals be three women at the magic table. It was just so different than the norm, but it just, every every battle is a battle of inches so to see that inch be gained and see an exclusively i don't want to say female cast that's not the right way to phrase it but seeing two females playing each other with a lady judge was it, it just felt great no that's awesome though it's um like i said it as i said before it's important for for me as a father of two girls to you know see that you know that females being represented um because it's you know i want to always make sure they have positive role models and it's you know i do my best to be a positive role model for the male figure and my wife you know does her best to be positive role model for the female figure Mm -hmm. but you know with them with how much tv and movies and music influence our lives you know i want to make sure they're seeing you know, positive female role models as well. So, no, that's good that, um, you know, it, at least you're trying to be that for other people. And, you know, I commend you on that. It's it's good that, you know, people are trying to do that, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. Reception is a really big deal because I don't, to, you know, to bring her up again, um, feline being as positive as she is and meeting her in person was originally really scary for me. You know, just meeting people you look up to is always at least a little bit daunting, but, um, she was so, she's so great in person and it was so nice to meet her. And it was so relieving to meet someone who had positively affected me in such a way that from that point, I knew I wanted to try to be that for someone else, or at least invoke that type of relief or happiness or, you know, whatever you want to call it for other people. And there are times, even now, I don't, I don't, I'm not under the illusion that the soapbox I stand on is that high. But even now, there are multiple times I've had different women walk up to me at magic tournaments and have me sign whatever playmat it was that got given out that weekend or in a couple of them, they were even customized playmats. Uh, have me sign them and say that uh, they wouldn't be going to competitive magic tournaments if they hadn't seen women on stream. And I was like, you know, the first woman they had ever seen on a star city camera and stuff like that just always feels great. That's awesome. Heck already given out autographs and, <laughs> I had a uh, I had a really great one in Milwaukee where um someone had a custom Rick and Morty playmat. I don't know if you like that show at all. I have not seen it, but I've heard it's it very funny, and that my hilarious. kids should not watch it. It is um, it is very much type of uh, broy fart humor. But if that's oh, if that's your that. thing, I don't know if <laughs> you're into it. But it is it's quite funny, and uh, someone's like, "Oh, sign this for." Uh, sign this and put your favorite Rick and Morty quote on it too. And it was, Oh my gosh, <laughs> a very unique experience that I could not make up. Oh, that's gotta be awesome. You know, someone wanting your autograph for you to sign something. That's, uh, I don't know what that's like. That's gotta be cool though. It's, it's very, 
it's weird because it, it in some ways it makes you a little more full of yourself but it's also very humbling to see how big and how small the world is at the same time yeah yeah i definitely can see it be humbling yeah um so with you getting on the grind now you know with star city games how do you balance your life you know with, between you know, non-magic and magic. Um, ironically, I made like an unofficial article thing on that the other day on my Facebook. Um, magic balance for me is very hard because I, at least for now, because my name is not legally Emma Handy, I can't really do anything that requires a certificate or a degree, whatever. It would be a nightmare to get changed over. Later, I have friends that are try to get it changed over later on and it's just very expensive tedious so on so um at least for now my medium-ish term goal is to try to get into magic coverage and because that means i'm chasing a at least a job position career what have you in magic the line between real life and magic starts to blur a lot of the time and for me, I don't have very much that isn't magic, at least in real life. So balancing it is easier and harder in that it's easier because anything that is real life, I can usually attribute to magic as well. But it's harder because there are a lot of times where, you know, self-doubt starts to creep in. And it's like, wow, you are not doing anything, Emma, that relates to anything outside of piles of 75 pieces of cardboard <laughs> so um i don't know i don't really do very much outside of magic as weird as that might sound i like my schedule is monday wednesday thursday i work uh most of the day or wednesday morning i write most of my article and then wednesday night i close but Tuesday is my quote-unquote day off, but I spend most of it playtesting or doing adult stuff, you know, laundry, pay bills, run errands, stuff like that. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm doing tournament stuff. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I can see now that, yeah, the blur, there's not much blur or much, not much divide, I mean. Yeah, it very much tends that... to run together a lot of the time. And that's not always a bad thing. Like I said, it helps that I don't have school at the moment or don't have, yeah. I don't want to say don't have a real job because that's not necessarily the best way to phrase it, but don't have, it helps a lot that I have a job where the card store owner, because they're a card store owner, they take magic seriously and understand that I'm not just going and, playing under the stairs of a high school cafeteria against, yeah. you know, McNugget for the free range magic tournament, whatever the South Park joke is. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> Oh my God. That episode was hilarious. I loved it. And I'm amazed that there was someone who had a Gaia's revenge, Pearl, like ancient and crackling doom in the same deck. That is a, I want to see that mana base. <laughs> you're right that that's right i gotta watch that episode again because they actually had actual cards mm -hmm. in the in 
that that was pretty cool. That was a nice little addition. And very few of them were um, even close to what the effect actually does. It was really funny. And I like, I was watching it with family. So they would laugh just at them, anything magic related. And then I would try to go, oh, that card doesn't do that. And they'd just look at me and be like, <laughs> Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's cool that at least, you know, the card shop understands what you do with magic and, um, you know, that you're trying to get better. And are they pretty lean and flexible whenever you got to, I don't know, if you have to take yeah, off? Yeah, or... they're incredibly flexible. And a lot of the way um, I've worked that out is instead of overtime, a lot of the time I just build up vacation hours and we'll go, hey, I will work this pre-release, but I need a Thursday off next month so I can go to the Invitational and I have to drive on Thursday instead because the tournament starts Friday. Wait, what's, what's vacation? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a label for the hours that they'll pay you when you're not there. Call it vacation because it sounds pretty. Yeah, it's, I need a vacation. It's been, it's awesome that, um, you know, I can take a vacation. Like, I could probably take a vacation right now, but I'd still be expected to work. Mm. <laughs> you know, be a part of meetings and answer emails and all this Ugh. other crap. And it's like, God. It's like, I get five weeks off a year. And, and about four actual I, hours to yourself. Yeah, it's like, I barely, I barely use those five weeks a year. And luckily, I can cash them out at the end of the year. So that's Ooh. at least a good thing, but... It's still like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of times, like I said, I'm in IT. I do, I'm a network engineer. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I work a lot of hours. It's, it's almost so, some, some weeks it's like doctor's hours where you get close up to 80 oh, hours. Um, I mean, that's few and far between, but it does sure, happen. Sure. And it's, but it's still, it's never fun. Just like last, last night, um, actually yesterday I worked a 14 hour day. And, and on that same day, I also closed on my house. Finally, I'm officially a homeowner. Yeah. I know it's awesome. I feel like such an adult, <laughs> but I, I still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't tell you that when, you know, growing up that you still weren't, you wouldn't know anything. Hey, it's kind of tell you as the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the self. Don't you ever forget that. That'll matter in real life. I'm confident. <laughs> My biology teacher wouldn't have taught it to me if it wouldn't matter, right? Yeah, you're going to have to... It, it's going to help you at one point. Taxes, child, calm down. We'll talk, we won't talk. We will talk about that later, but here's the quadratic formula. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they should have taught taxes in high school. I wish I had learned how to write a check in high school. I think that's the biggest one. I remember I that throw too, my yeah. hands up and go... I literally can't live anywhere without knowing how to write a check and no one has taught me how to do this. Yeah. I actually remember them teaching us how to write checks in high school, but now it's who uses checks now. (laughs) I mean, just, I mean, you can get money orders easily and I don't know. It's it's all cards now. I, I don't even remember. It's, it's funny because I'll get paid. And, you know, it'll all go to bills and whatever else that I got to pay. And I'll have ones of dollars in my bank <laughs> account. 
And but if I find like five bucks or something, you know, actual cash, it's like I will hoard that and be more excited about that than when I get a paycheck. <laughs> Eventually, you're just gonna end up like um, the dragon from The Hobbit and just have a bed of dollar bills. Oh, smoke! Yep. Hell yeah! Uh, talk about terrible movies though. Shit. <laughs> Did you see The Hobbit? I didn't. Movies? I don't really watch very much. You're not missing much. I mean, have you seen... You've seen Lord of the Rings, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge, huge Tolkien nerd and all that. Like, that that was, like, the one thing I was known for in middle and high school that I knew everything Tolkien. You know, I read the Silmarillion, Unfinished Tales, Book of Lost Tales, all that crap. And, you know, I was so excited for the Lord of the Rings movie. You know, ten years later, the Hobbit movie's being produced, but they want to make it a trilogy? Yeah, what? I thought that was a lot weird. Yeah, a 300-page book into a trilogy? I was just like, oh my god, why? And it's sad that the last movie, um, th by the time they got to the last movie, there was like, what, maybe 15 pages left of the book? <laughs> so they're going to make a three-hour movie out of 15 pages? Oh, I'm god. confident in their abilities. <laughs> They can just scroll. They can just have a helicopter with a camera strapped to it fly through New Zealand with that same soundtrack playing. And, you know, I'd, I'd probably go watch it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, just have what, one of my um... for about an hour and a half in. Just like the, the logo, The Hobbit in the New Zealand flight. Or, excuse yeah, me, The Flight would... of Middle Earth. And you know, I, hell yeah, that's, that's probably worth like eight, ten bucks to go see an IMAX. I would definitely see that. Um, it's funny because one of my coworkers, he um, he goes to New Zealand every year, um, and he he brags to me like every time, like he sends me all these photos <laughs> and videos of him, you know, going to Hobbiton and going to the other like landmarks where Lord of the Rings was filmed and the Hobbit was filmed. I'm just like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and he just told me, or actually wait, no, he didn't. Yeah. He just told me, but there's also a deal going on from now until November, I think where you can go to New Zealand round trip for $250. What? Right now. That's absurd. Yeah, but... It cost me more than that to fly to Milwaukee. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's a special deal. I forget what the flight or or the flight agency is or or, or whatever the airplanes mm -hmm. are. But um but you ha but it's only going out of like Los Angeles or or San Francisco or something like that. So you you'd have to be over California, but Yeah, that's still pretty insane. But that, that's so yeah. cheap cuz I went to um I remember paying like 12 hundred dollars to go to south korea back in 2005 mm -hmm. oh my god that was that freaking drained me <laughs> oh yeah that'd be killer but yeah i i definitely pay 250 dollars to go to new zealand but yeah I, I don't think my wife would appreciate that i just go away for a week to go to new zealand honey where are you going i'm going to hobbiton I'm going to Middle Earth, all right? She's like, oh, I want to come to... No, sorry. I'm taking the one ring by myself. <laughs> I must carry the burden. Yes, exactly. 
And then, well, if she wants to be like Sam, then she can just carry me to New Zealand or something. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she would appreciate that. Um, so a lot of talk around the magic community, especially past few days and probably past week, is that you know Wizards is really wanting to, I guess, boost up East the esports side of magic um with the whole platinum pro changes that happened and then they reverted it because they want to have bigger prize pools um i just did um two episodes talking about it and the biggest thing that i mentioned was magic is not a very good spectator sport no, at all it's horrid <laughs> it's it's terrible and i mean even even when I watch like the legacy format, I don't, I'm not that deep into legacy, but I, I can sort of understand it. You know, I, I have to look up each card a lot of times because I'm not that deep in the format, but even watching something like legacy, I don't know what's going on half the time. You know, I mean, can you imagine someone brand new who's like, okay, I'm interested in watching magic and they go and watch a legacy game. They're going to be like, uh, how did that guy just went on turn one? Yeah. You know, or what is Storm? I don't understand what that is. This guy just, like, tapped an, un an un underground sea and put a bunch of black cards down, and then the other guy scooped their cards up. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I I don't know what they can do to make it a better spectator sport. Um, Didn't who, – who who's that one group? Loading, Ready, Run or something? Mm-hmm that group of guys or the group of people or um, they, they had that shadows of Rannistrad pre-release and they had the, I guess they had some cameras to where it, it'll like scan the card while they're playing it to show up on show it, you know, on the, like the little side or whatever, which I think is an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. But, but I mean, still, even if they do that, you know, it's magic itself is still not simple enough for, you know, someone to just casually turn it on and watch it. So, you know, what can Wizards really do besides dumb the game down even more? But that's just going to drive people away. I think a lot of... if I think if they want to traverse into quote-unquote esports land, I think it would probably cause... They would have to have some sort of digital overhaul that I'm not quite sure how to how to convert paper magic to digital without just, you know, gutting Moto and basically rebuilding from the ground up, which I, I suspect they're going to do with um them, well, excuse me, with Greg Leeds resigning as the CEO of Wizards yeah. and then bringing in the guy, if I remember correctly, the guy who did Leapfrog. Um, I believe there that's us them showing, okay, we we had this guy who's great at marketing, put magic way over the top, and our sales are the best they've ever been. Now let's bring in someone who is able to build a successful digital product. Yeah, and I was mentioning that in a previous podcast, like they have to make their digital project pro product better oh, yeah. because mag magic online just doesn't cut it. It is, I mean, it works fine, but it's terrible to look at. I mean, there, there's plenty of videos and podcasts talking about how bad it is yeah. and what can be done to it. But there's really no easy way to, 
you know, just say, hey, we're going to be done with Magic Online or we're going to this, pro you know, platform now without cannibalizing a large percentage of your users. Mm -hmm. And because you're going to piss off a lot of people, you know, and... I mean, I'm confident there's a way to possibly even port over your collection or something like that to, you know, magic the onlining or whatever. The online. <laughs> that that's an awesome name. Trademark it really quick. And then Wizards has to pay you for it. Perfect. It is now recorded forever. Yes. I said it first. I'm um, pretty sure all that means is they aren't going to use the name, but. <laughs> And now I can blame this forever. I made that joke one time with Zuby, and you know that was it. That was it. <laughs> but um, I think they need because even Hearthstone, for example, you know everyone always draws that comparison because the game's pretty similar. It's just you know take out instance and planeswalkers, and you know we're on a pretty similar basis. But um. That game is a better spectator sport, and the people just kind of sit with their chin on their wrist while everything else moves on its own, seemingly. But that's yeah. just creatures bashing into each other, and when they bash into each other, the toughness bar gets smaller, or the life gets smaller, and then something explodes when it dies. Like It's very easy to understand. And it's also fun to watch, yeah. too. And, um, like, Magic Online is just not fun to watch. Um, another thing I was mentioning was if they go to a digital platform and they start showcasing that more for, you know, big tournaments or whatever, um, one, that's not only going to cannibalize paper sales, but, two, it could very well get rid of judges, too. You know, you're not going to need judges if you're just a co completely on a digital platform. You don't have to call for a rule for rulings or anything like that. If we're being honest, with the current judge lawsuit going on, I don't think Watsy is too opposed to that. Oh, yeah, of course they not. They just go, all right, fine, <laughs> you guys win. But uh, we're done with judges. Here's this digital product. The door's over there. Have a nice life. Yeah. It, it would be, it'd be really cool if they had a really good digital platform. But if that started being like the go-to for all competitive you know, scenes where even even on the more local levels with PPTQs or anything like that and paper just starts going to the wayside, I'd be kind of sad and kind of pissed off. Too. I'd be very disappointed. I Part of why I much prefer Magic to Hearthstone is that Magic is face-to-face -face and I've played, well, one, I've played a lot of paper card games, but I've also read a great deal about tells and... Part of, part of at least my personal game that I pride myself the most in is my like my signaling, my quote-unquote mental game, whatever you want to call it. So losing that aspect aspect would be a huge detriment to me. Yeah, it's I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I mean, I'm not good at reading tells or anything like that, but that's part of the fun for me is you know going to F and M and playing you know, a few rounds with, you know, people that are cool and all that and just having fun. But when I play magic online, whether I'm doing a draft or practicing a deck or something, you don't get that interaction and you just don't even know what the other person's thinking on the other side too. 
You don't know if they may be, they may have drawn into something good or they may be faking a play or something like that. You just don't mm-hmm. know. It's all just computer. Yeah. And there's one thing um, that Ryan Overturf brought up when someone, it might even have been him, complained about getting a lot saltier when losing at Hearthstone than at Magic. I suffer from the same problem is that it feels a lot more like you're losing to a video game than losing to a human, and that feels awful. If you're losing the streak yeah, against the computer, you just feel like the game is rigged. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, because I definitely, like, I'll have, I have a love-hate relationship with Hearthstone. There's times where I freaking love the game, and then... You know, maybe I'll take a few weeks off and the meta completely changes and I don't know and I start playing a crappy deck that just completely gets wiped and I'm just like, this is BS. You know, why? Ah, I fucking hate this game and yada, yada, yada. But with Magic, I'm just like, oh, I'm losing? Okay. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, it's not like that all the time with Magic, but for the most part, it's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a lot easier to handle, I guess, but. Yeah, but I guess in the end for, I, I mean, I don't know what Wizards has planned. It's if they come up with some sort of idea where, you know, like they had with Loading Ready Runs where they have a better, I guess, card scanner type camera thing. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine what they do with that uh, is they have another person that runs the booth. Because I know that's what they do with Star City events and things pop up on the side is they actually just have people off to the side who's have pictures of cards saved on the computer and then yeah. can you just search it, superimpose it and then turn on the screen filter. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be, yeah. Cause I, I also like how they do it at the pro tour where they have like people behind you. Mm-hmm. They have the person with the iPad who just types in the cards. And... Yeah. And that, that's super handy because that, at least you sort of you're not guessing like oh well what are they holding in their mm-hmm. hand you know what could they be doing it's i i like that i almost kind of wish star city games would do that but that's got to be a pain in the ass though yeah that's a, that's a pretty big pain and it it feels what's the way to phrase this basically it feels like it's okay to do that at the highest level of magic because i feel like people yeah. at the pro tour all at least to a point, understand that the pro and pro tour is short for promotional and not professional. And those people are like, all right, well, these are literally Wizards of the Coast employees telling me what to do. It does not matter. I am going to do that. Whereas you might have some vigilante at a Star City tournament who's like, no, this is ruining the integrity of the game and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you always have those guys. Um, yeah, so I guess as far as because well, you said, you know, your life's pretty much a blur with magic. Do you have any other hobbies <laughs> or anything? Um, <laughs> not so much. As lame as that sounds, um, I I watch some tv shows sometimes i get really addicted to a show i'll watch it but it's always shorter stuff on netflix like um i i loved since eight since eight was fantastic it's uh done by the wachowski sisters yeah it's absolutely wonderful and then 
uh, Jessica Jones. I don't know if you're into the Marvel stuff, but Jessica Jones was very, very good. I had David Tennant as the main antagonist. Ooh, and, David uh, Tennant. He is, <laughs> he is a very, very good sociopath. <laughs> Ooh, I'll definitely have to check that out because um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, got me into Doctor Who. Yeah. And um, we, I went on this like binge of watching all the newer Doctor Who's, and then I started watching the old ones. Who's your favorite Doctor? Uh, the ninth one Eccleston? is actually my favorite. Me too. Yeah, even though he was only in one season. I oh, love really? I thought he, because he was my first doctor that I was introduced, and I fell in love with him, and I was sad to see him go, but, you know, I, I still felt like David Tennant and, shit, what's the 11th one's name? Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> I, I feel like both of them did, like, really awesome jobs, but Eccleson was just, he, I don't know. It, I, I guess maybe since he was my first, he was... I don't know, just meant more. He's fantastic. Just the, I think the thing, I, I just can't forget the line where they're on the TV satellite and uh, the, you know, bad guy of the episode goes, well, are sla is a slave still a slave if they don't know that they're enslaved? And just no pause, Eccleston just snaps off, yes, holds eye contact. Just the way he delivers the line was so perfect, and I will never forget it, ever. Yeah, it's. I, was that the one where they were in the reality yes. show? Or, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, the when I was really excited to see him because I was obsessed with Heroes when it first came mm -hmm. on, and he played. I forget. I forget the guy's name, but he played the one guy who trained Peter Petrelli. I don't know if you watched that show I didn't. or not. Um, it was first season was fantastic, and then. Then the writer strike happened during season two, and then it became absolute trash. Yeah, which was, it was sad when that happened. But season one was like probably some of the best TV that I had seen in a while, and that was the year that my wife and I started dating. And it was um it was our show that we watched together. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, and then then when Heroes came back on, I think last year. You know, it felt like old times, you know, watching Heroes again and all that, which we still haven't finished the show, though, because I, I get such ADD now. Where <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, ooh, you know, look, a squirrel or, oh, another show. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, the last show that we really watched together was Sons of Anarchy. And oh, I fucking, that was such, that that ended very nicely, at least, when it finally <laughs> And so, yeah. So you, so you're a Whovian, or do you still watch Doctor uh, Who? Or? I'm very, very, very behind. I am somewhere in the middle of Matt Smith. Kind of what I like about Doctor Who. So I have a very addictive personality, and that helps with the whole. My entire life is magic right now because I don't really have a problem with being one track minded for months yeah. at a time. But um. Doctor Who is nice because they it's a little formulaic, but the show was kind of a bunch of sh episodes that were seemingly filler, and then it draws it all together, the last two or three episodes of a season. So Doctor Who, for me, is something I can go and watch an episode of a month or every couple months. 
or I can binge it, or I, I, I can just watch it at my own pace and never feel left out or miss yeah, anything. That, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it because, um, yeah, I stopped watching, I think, somewhere in the middle of Matt Smith 2, I think, like, season 6 or whatever. Um, I think it was, like, his last season before it went to the new one, which I haven't seen any of the new one. I've heard nothing but good um, things about Capaldi, and it's almost, it, it has almost made me binge-watch through Matt Smith just to get there. Oh, okay. Yeah, my 12-year-old my said that the new one is really good. Um, she she loves him. Um, well, she, she like I said, she's the one who got me into it. The one thing that really drew me into Doctor Who, besides my 12-year-old, was that it really reminded me of Star Trek, but for kids, mm -hmm. I guess. Or, or for, I mean, not so serious, yeah, just, I it's, guess. Yeah, it's not as heavy as something like TNG. Yeah, and... and God, when I was so happy when Netflix finally got all of Star mm -hmm. Trek. Oh, I, yeah, you didn't, you couldn't get me to watch anything <laughs> else for like a good year or so, because I would just I binge watched every single series and I've done it a few times again since then. So. I've never watched one all the way through, but I had a former roommate who was really, really into Star Trek, and I watched a lot of it with them. Yeah, that's one good thing with Star Trek, especially, um, you know, like the original series or Voyager or even Next Generation where you could just hop around. I mean, yeah, there are some episodes that are continuations sure. or they they call back to previous seasons, but it's very few and far mm -hmm. between. And, um, yeah, it's I, I even got my my wife into Star Trek, too. She loves Voyager with Captain Janeway. Yeah. Um. She she's probably my second favorite captain. I have to give it up for Captain Kirk, because he he was the one I grew up on. He, even though I'm I'm not that old, I'm only thirty, but um, it's because I grew up on the original series because that's the one I always remember watching. And Captain Kirk to me was like you know he's the badass where like oh you're gonna try to take over my ship I'm just gonna punch you in the face and not try to do any diplomacy or anything. <laughs> <laughs> But um, Captain Janeway had to have been my second favorite. She was just like that is not a woman you want to follow. Oh no, not at all. She is she is absolutely great. And, and um, shit, what what's the actress's name? Um, God, Captain Janeway. It was oh, I'm gonna I'm looking it up right now. Um, shit, Kate Mulgrew. That's right. I feel like she did a fantastic job as her. And do you, have you watched um, Orange is the New Black? I haven't. Oh, if if you like Kate Mulgrew, watch it for her. Because um, my, my whole little theory about that show was that Kate Mulgrew's character is actually Captain Janeway just deciding to time travel because <laughs> she got bored of, you know, being in, you know, the future. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. how I cope. <laughs> but um so i guess as far as other hobbies or anything i mean do you play any video games or anything or any other games uh, besides magic i play a, i played a lot of mario kart 8 um oh, and i also played <laughs> a lot of 
there are a lot of video games that are older that are one player that I played so many times I could probably come close to speed running them and setting world records. Oh, which ones um, are those? Pikmin One, I was quite good at. Um, and did you ever play Pokemon Puzzle League? It was no. very similar to Yoshi's Cookie. If you ever played that, but um. There was one time I decided I wanted to try Wait. to set the world record, and I was about five minutes behind for a long oh, time. Shit. And out of like, it was like, world record was like 24 minutes and change at the time. And um, then I had a great run and ended up beating it by like 40 seconds when not recording. And I then couldn't come close again and got so demoralized I stopped trying. Oh, geez. Game's a lot of fun, though. It's just kind of a mindless puzzle game. Yeah. It do. So Mario Kart 8, I played that a lot when it first came out. And yeah, I was obsessed with it. I, I mean, Once in a while, I'll play against my kids. And that's like the only game that I won't go easy on my kids with. I'm like, if you're going to beat me in Mario Kart, you're going to beat me for real. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll go easy on them with any other video game. Um. Yeah, so did you did you ever get into WoW or anything like that? Or... Um, the video game or the card game? <laughs> oh, that's right. It did have a card game. I <laughs> well, I guess that answers the question. Um, I got into the card game, but only briefly. And I never got into WoW, but I played EverQuest for a couple of years. Okay, yeah, I've never played EverQuest, but um, I had a friend who was really into EverQuest, and he... Um... God, was it? He... Be... Not really became like a gold seller, but, but got so obsessed that he would be making a lot of money selling gold and all mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, he would tell me he'd eat, sleep, and breathe EverQuest, but oh god, I can't imagine doing that. It's like, I as, as I'm getting older, I'm having a harder time playing games, like for uh, video games for long amounts of time. He's like, if I go in over an hour, I'm like, okay, I'm getting bored, I need to go do something. It's when I do have the time, that mm -hmm. is. But yeah, I'm looking up Yoshi's Cookie. I don't think I've ever played this game. Um, I played I played a lot of the other game just called Yoshi. I don't know if you remember that mm -hmm. one. Um, and so, is this sort of like one of those match three type puzzle games? Yes. Okay. It's, it's more speed-based than it is... Um... Not necessarily speed based, but you can make multiple moves that don't make matches before finally matching. So it's a little more predictive um, or strategy based than something like Bejeweled, where you just have to find the one perfect match as fast as you can. I see what you mean. Okay. I guess I should look that up one day. Because I also um I host I co host a video game podcast. We talk a lot about um retro video games and all oh, that sweet. and yeah it's um we just started it a couple weeks ago we we just released episode three and um yeah it, it's just it's a fun time me and my friend um his name is also matt so we call ourselves the super matt bros <laughs> and um it's it's just we just bullshit about games and you know just talk random shit and we give each other challenges to do we're like, oh, you got to beat this game in this amount of time, or you just got to beat the game altogether. And 
Did you ever did you ever hear of the Nintendo game Kung Fu? Mm-hmm. Um, it's an old old Nintendo game. I think I think it was one of the games that got first released on the Nintendo, and it's hard as balls. And I gave him as that first as his first challenge, and he ended up hating me because <laughs> I'm just like I mean like I beat the game. It's not that hard. He was just, (laughs) just like the whole week, he's just like, I hate you, Matt. I hate you so much. Why'd you give me this? What have you done to me? Yeah. But, um, no, it's a fun time. But, yeah, I think that is, we're getting near the end here. It's one o'clock for me, and I gotta be up in four hours. Oh, my gosh. I'm so (laughs) sorry. No, no, no. It's all right. It's I. I really enjoyed this. I, I'm taking like a half day tomorrow, so whatever. I don't oh, care. Okay. Well, I'm glad you. Um, I have. You know, might not have to work for too too long. Not have one of those doctor shifts you were talking about. Oh yeah. No, no. It's um. I try to avoid those on Fridays if I can. <laughs> um, because um, usually Fridays I'll be doing F and M or something like that. I won't be doing F and M tomorrow, but I'll. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But um yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um is there any any shout outs or plugs you want to do? Um let's see. Shout outs up and plugs. Well, first I'm super selfish, so I'll do the pl- I'll get the plugs out of the way first. Um <laughs> I check out my articles on gatheringmagic.com. They come out every Thursday. Um this week so I was actually particularly proud of it was on Mojo spells and versatilities and magic cards, different ways to think about cards or apply thinking to them. Uh, most of my articles are unconstructed, and I try to appeal towards people who are maybe at the IQ level and looking to become grinders or get to that next level. I'm trying to translate basically between the upper echelon of competitive players and people who are just starting to get their uh, tongue wet, per se. <laughs> okay. But... um. And then for shout-outs, you know, Disciples of Bolas, great team. Love everyone on it. Great people to work with. Um, Guy I pull cards with, Jake Humphreys, always supportive. Always gives up whatever cards I need on any given weekend if he might be playing them too. He always lets me take priority. Super awesome. Uh, Shout-out to Hillside Games for employing me. Best place in Western North Carolina. Look it up. Check it out. It's a really great shop. Um, I guess those are the biggest things for me now. Oh, and uh, check out cardconfidence.com. They're the place where I kind of got my start writing magic, and it's run by great people. It's just a it's a non-profit site at this point, and they deserve all the love and viewership in the world. Oh, that's cool. Well, I really enjoyed this. Um, had a great time. Oh, I'm glad. Me too. And, this is uh, really cool. Oh, well, thank you. And I just, in case I don't see you on Twitter or miss you, good luck in Grand Prix Charlotte and kick some ass. Oh, I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. Oh, and if anyone listening can find me, um, my Twitter is at M E M underscore T E E G E M T G. And I will post selfies of myself and how to find me for stickers for Grand Prix Charlotte. So awesome. there's a way to help be supportive and inclusive for people who need all the help that they can get in North Carolina. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just want to thank you again and, you know, for taking time, you know, out of your night or day or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, sure. You did the exact same thing <laughs> you... for me, so it's the least that I can do. 
Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And yeah, so thanks again. You know, I'd be happy to have you on again and you know, just BS about magic and whatever. Awesome. That sounds great. Just let me know when you want me back on when enough time has passed or whatever, when you feel like uh the time is right per se. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's been great uh shooting the wind or whatever, shooting the breeze, whatever the southern phrase is. <laughs> Shoot talking and talk. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I've always found that funny that North Carolina is more Southern than Florida. Oh, I'm actually from Florida and that is a hundred percent true. I was born in Orlando, but moved to Western North Carolina when I was younger. It is night and day. Yeah. I I'm in the Tampa Bay area and it's just, I always hear that, that the further North you go, the more Southern it gets. And it's like, yeah, it's true. It's yeah. It gets pretty backwards. The more North you go. <laughs> But all right. Well, thanks again and have a great night. All right. All right. You too. Take care of yourself. Talk to you soon. Bye. Right, bye.